<laughs> How's it going, perverts? Welcome to the Laughter is an Instant Vacation edition of Monday Morning Oral Sex. This one's going to be nothing but comedy from start to finish, and I won't bother interrupting the flow with all the silly bullshit I usually talk about, like the artist names, track titles, and album names, and all that shit. I'll leave that up to you if you're curious enough to find out. All that info is right where you found this podcast to listen to anyway, and all the track titles are pertinent enough to make it really easy to figure out what you're listening to, so if you hear something you like, go further with it. All these comics and comedic musical tracks are fucking fantastic, and there's much more where all these came from, believe me. Without any further ado, let's start this shit off right with one of the all-time comedic giants, George fucking Carlin. You also like to use... You love to use the English language yeah. as joke material, colloquialisms, cliches, yeah. idioms, slang expressions. Does a comedian have to have a love of language or an especially large vocabulary in order to perform his craft? No, the nice thing about comedy is that there are so many different ways to achieve the, the goal of laughter. Laughter is a very unusual reflex, as you, you've probably looked into this on your own, and, and you know that that laughter is one of the few reflexes that can be evoked both uh, physically and mentally. Uh, we can make a person laugh by giving them a mental image of something funny, or we can tickle that person and evoke the same physical characteristics. The, the same thing happens to the heart rate, the breathing rate, and the endorphins in the brain. It, it's a healing art comedy. Uh, it, ha it has power to transform people, even in the short term and in the long term. I believe that. And, and that scientists are looking into it more. It was always considered too frivolous to look into. But, 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 but because it has this, this mystic nature about it, so to speak, it's, it's interesting that there are so many ways to achieve it. There are the people, like the guys who came out of those nightclubs in the 40s, the, 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 the tumblers from the mountains, uh, guys that could just stand up there and just, and there was very little intellectual content in any of that. There was no, it was a limited kind of a vocabulary. But it was Other funny. jokes or stuff, yeah. whatever. But funny as hell because the perspective was there. And, and the surprise, comedy always leads you down one direction and then grabs you and pulls you in the other direction. So how you achieve that? Oh, a million different ways. Carol Burnett probably doesn't write, I don't know this for a fact, but probably doesn't write a lot of comedy material over the years, gets up there and takes these sketches, adds her body to it and her sensibilities, and all these wonderful things happen. Mort Saul, very little movement on the stage, no different voices, no different faces, no bodily stuff, just the intellect at work, pointing out ironies. Then I, now I combine a lot of things. I'm, I'm very fortunate and I consider myself lucky that I can use my body in my work, I can use my voice, I get to write these ideas, I can look for for delicate things that are a little like lace, and then I can look for something like a couple of ash cans to throw at a wall, because that gets my effect too. So, so the vocabulary... Is not a necessity, obviously. Not a necessity. No. Uh, it, it helps, or it has been a mainstay for George Carlin. It helps when you're doing delicate things. When, when you're doing something that has a fragile framework to it, it helps to be able to get very nice and precise with your language, because then again, you're leading them somewhere, and then boom, you pull the rug out. Hello, boys and girls. This is your old pal, Stinky Wizzleteeth. This is a song about a whale. No! This is a song about being happy. That's right. It's the Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy song. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Happy, happy, joy, joy, happy, happy, joy, joy, happy, happy, joy, joy, joy. 
I don't think you're happy enough. That's right. I'll teach you to be happy. I'll teach your grandmother to suck eggs. Now, boys and girls, let's try it again. Happy, happy, joy, joy. 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 Happy, happy, joy, joy, joy. If and you ain't the granddaddy of all liars, the little critters of nature, they don't know that they're ugly. That's very funny. A fly marrying a bumblebee. I told you I'd shoot, but you didn't believe me. Why didn't you believe me? Happy, happy, joy, joy. 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 Happy, 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 joy, joy, joy. There are times when you get suckered in by drugs and alcohol and sex with women. But it's when you do these things too much that you've become an addict and must get back in touch. You can do it, it's all up to you, kind. With a little plan, you can change your life to dine. You don't have to spend your life addicted to smack. Homeless on the streets, giving hand jobs for crack. Follow my plan, and very soon you will sign. It's easy, kind. Step one, instead of ass, say buns, like kiss my buns or you're a buns hole. Step two, instead of shit, say poo, as in pull, poo, poo, head in this poo is cold. Step three, with bitch, drop the tea, cause big is Latin for generosity. Step four, don't say fuck anymore, cause fuck is the worst word that you can say. So just use the word, okay. We can do it, it's all up to us, okay. Okay. With a little plan, we can change our lives today. You can change today. You don't have to spend your life in the tracks On the front of the streets Give me a drop for cash Follow this plan And very soon you will say It's easy and clean Step one Shit before I got into comedy, man. This would be like a bus boy and shit. That's a shit, boy. Bus boy. You know what that means? That means you take the bus home. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what happens, you end up taking the bus home. Fucking, I just did a lot of shit before I got into comedy, man. I used to work at McDonald's, making minimum wage, man. You know what it means when they pay you minimum wage? That means they don't give a fuck about you, okay? They don't care about your Christmas. They don't care if your kids got shoes on. You know, the boss goes, hey, how you doing? You know how the fuck I'm doing. I'm doing bad, that's how I'm doing. How the fuck could I be doing anything with this little bit of money you're paying me? <laughs> <laughs> now, 
Just to make minimum wage, man. You know what it means when they pay you minimum wage? You know what they're trying to tell you? It's like, hey, if I could pay you less, I would. <laughs> but it's against the law. Shit is crazy, man. Should work at McDonald's, man. You ever go to McDonald's and get online? There's a guy in front of you that doesn't have enough money to get anything. He's got like 40 cents and he's trying to cut a deal. He's just like, yo, man, check this out, check this out, check this out, man, check this out. Yo, I got 40 cents, right? I got 40 cents. Yo, McNuggets is a dollar 49, man. Why don't you let me get one McNugget? Y'all can't give me nuggets? I hear that, I hear that, I hear that, I hear that. Yo, check this out, my mellow, my man in the plan. My mellow, my ace in the place. My main shit's thing. Check this out, check this out. That hamburger saying nine cent, right? Saying nine cent. Y'all got 40 cent in my pocket right here. Cash money. 40 cent cash money. Hamburger saying nine cent. Why don't you let me get the bun and the pickle? It's uh, not fun to be single at 41. I was married for 10 years, I'm divorced, I got two children. It's hard to start again after a marriage. It's hard to really like look at somebody and go, hey, maybe something nice will happen. You just don't, I know too much about life to have any optimism. Because I know even if it's nice, it's going to lead to shit. I know that if you smile at somebody and they smile back, you've just decided that something shitty is going to happen. <laughs> You might have a nice couple of dates, but then she'll stop calling you back and that'll feel shitty. Or you'll date for a long time and then she'll have sex with one of your friends or you will with one of hers and that'll be shitty. Or you'll get married and it won't work out and you'll get divorced and split your friends and money and that's horrible. Or you'll meet the perfect person who you love infinitely and you even argue well and you grow together and you have children and then you get old together and then she's gonna die. <laughs> The best case scenario is that you're gonna lose your best friend and then just walk home from D'Agostino's with heavy bags every day and wait for your turn to be nothing also. Tonight we have a special guest, uh, the one and only Heidi, uh, who works at my office. She's been at my place for many years. Some of you remember the uh, Rise Above benefit record for the West Memphis Three. Well. Heidi is the uh, gal who kind of helped us put the whole thing together in that uh, she was the liaison between the lawyers, the managers, and the artists. While we were busy in the studio bashing away at the record, she was uh, handling about 300 phone calls a day and getting a lot of attitude from managers. And um, So anyway, that's Heidi. And, and some of you have been to my talking shows and you've heard the stories I tell about Heidi. And I always do that one impression of Heidi, which is like, Heidi, shut up! Which is usually how I impersonate. That's so sick. Really? I don't talk like that. <laughs> no, you, your voice is usually soothing and loquacious. That's true. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, Heidi, uh, I said, Heidi, you want to come down and hang out at the station when I do one of these shows? And she said, yeah, let's, let's go down there and, and I can tell people how you really are. Half-truth Henry. Right, half-truth Henry. I only tell half-truth. half the story. Yeah. Makes me look crazy. Well, you are a little nuts. No, Henry. <laughs> you're the nut job. Yeah. Psycho. <laughs> it's all right. I love you, but you're nuts. And you don't tell the whole truth. And, and then I get crazy emails from, cra from fans that are aggro at me because I've yelled at you. Heidi helped me buy a bed. I, I was living on a, uh, a DNA-impregnated futon for many years. 
And Heidi had never seen my, my, uh, my half of the office where I used to live. And she walked into my bedroom and saw this one-inch high futon, like I said, with a lot of DNA evidence left on it from years of fun. And she, her three so words that sick. came out of her mouth was, oh, my God. Well, I couldn't believe a girl would even get on that thing. <laughs> so sick. Get on that thing. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, God. So she said, get in your car. We're going to go buy a bed. I said, I'm not buying a bed. Get in your car. We're going to go. And I yeah, but when you tell the story in your spoken word shows, like on Live at West Beth Theater, you don't mention the futon. You just mention me yelling at you at the bed store. But I just got to the best part first, you yelling. And so Heidi and I went into this bed store. They sell beds. And, and I asked the guy, how do you test a bed? And he just says, well, you just kind of get on it and see if you like it. And so Heidi and I are like, you know, in tandem flopping down on these beds. And I guess the guy thought we were a couple. And we, we kept going, no, 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 we're not, a, we're not a couple. We're not a couple. We're just... Uh, just trucking out these beds. I know it looks like one thing, but it's actually another. So anyway, um, thanks to Heidi, I, I have a bed, and I have a, an ache in one yeah, of my ears from still, getting yell, yelled at. And, and, and you still and have that gross and interrupted, and interrupted. And the futon's still there. Yeah, so the, sick. The futon is kind of like it's, um, I don't know, it's a memento of it's days past. It's a science project. It's disgusting. Well, yeah. We will. We will, however, be talking about those little moments that seem to last forever. Have you ever been in a serious social situation when you suddenly realize you have to pull the underwear out of the crack in your ass? You take this woman to be your lawful wedded wife? Huh? Who, her? Oh, hell yeah. Well, it's one of life's little moments, isn't it? It's one of those little moments you have to deal with at the time. You can't postpone that. You can't put that off and be walking around like this. You've got to get in there and clear that thing out. You've got to rescue your underwear. There's a letter in your mailbox. And you have to rectify that situation so that you can move along to your next embarrassing moment, which is probably scheduled immediately. That's the way life is, full of those little moments. Everybody knows them, everybody recognizes them. You ever been at a really loud party? I mean, a good loud party where the music is playing too loud and everybody is talking too loudly and in order to be heard, even by the person standing right next to you, you've got to be screaming at the top of your lungs. But every now and then at a party, it seems as though everyone shuts up at the same time <laughs> and only your voice can be heard. Right, I know, I know. Well, what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna have my testicles laminated. <laughs> Life's little moments. 
You ever been talking to someone and you laugh through your nose and blow a snot on your shirt? <laughs> and you have to just kind of keep talking, you know? And make believe it's part of the design. <laughs> Works all right if you're wearing a Hawaiian shirt. But otherwise, they're gonna notice. Ed, you got a big snot on your shirt. Some guys are really cruel, you know? And some of these things are not even your fault. These little things that happen, you didn't cause the situation. A lot of times, you're the victim. You walk into some situation, and suddenly you're the one who's taken all the heat. Not your fault. Give you an example of the kind of thing I mean. Do you ever meet somebody and you go to shake the guy's hand and you suddenly realize he doesn't have a complete hand? <laughs> and you gotta make believe it feels great. <laughs> right? You can't go, ah! 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 You can't do that. It's not even an option. You gotta hang in there and say, hi. Hey, swell hand. Give me three. High three, yo. Not your fault. You didn't cause that. You weren't even there when it happened to the guy. Inky dinky don't. New rule. Just because your tattoo has Chinese characters in it, it doesn't mean you're spiritual. It's right above the crack of your ass, and it translates to beef with broccoli. The last time you did anything spiritual, you were praying to God you weren't pregnant. Internet virus. New rule. You can't notify people by email that you've given them chlamydia. The San Francisco Health Department has a new service that lets you send an Internet greeting card to someone you may have infected with an STD. Roses are red, orchids are gray. Congratulations, you have hepatitis A. Panned Parenthood New rule. Parents have to stop coddling their children. I've heard that now some schools have stopped grading papers with red ink because of complaints that a big, mean, red X is too negative. Why a kid might even think he got that question wrong and learned something. Parents today are so fixated on protection it is amazing they ever got pregnant in the first place. A recent reality show called Super Nanny placed an old-school, discipline-wielding nanny into a family where the mother can't figure out that the reason she's having a nervous breakdown is that she says things to her kids like, Tyler, Mommy would really appreciate it if you didn't throw rocks at me. Moms and dads these days are like the Democratic Party, lame, spineless, and not holding up their end of the equation. And kids are like the Republicans, drunk with power and out of control. Maybe that's why there's also a new phenomenon called parent coaching, a kind of tech support service for clueless parents when their three-year-olds go haywire. 
As described in a recent New York Times article, here are some of the questions a typical mom asks her parenting coach. What should she do when Skyler won't do his chores? Should there be limits on how he spends his allowance? Should Forrest get dessert if he does not eat a healthy dinner? Now, for those of you who are saying, but Bill, you're not a parent, I say true. But I have one thing these parents apparently don't. A brain. This is not rocket science. What should you do when Skyler won't do his chores? How about... Using your size advantage, make him. Because if there's one thing we know about kids, it's that if you give them an inch, the authorities raid your Neverland ranch. And like Michael Jackson, parents these days act like they're on a date with their children, trying to impress them, trying to buy their love, and never contradicting them or giving them a big red X when they're wrong. So no, I don't have kids, and you know what? I don't intend to have any until people start making some I would want my kids to play with. And until then, I'm just glad I own a lot of stock in Ritalin. Jersey Shore. New rule. Let the mafia protect New Jersey. Terror experts say that the deadliest, most vulnerable two miles in America is the unguarded chemical corridor in New Jersey that gave the state its reputation for smelling like a sweat sock. Arizona has the Minutemen. Let New Jersey have the mafia. They all live there anyway. Jet Blue. New rule. After the plane lands, airlines must stop saying, thank you for choosing us. There is no choosing anymore. I took the only flight that left within eight hours of when I wanted to go by the only other airline that went there. Nobody chooses Southwest. Southwest chooses you. If I need to be in Spokane, Washington by tomorrow morning, I either take the flight I'm given or I mail myself at a FedEx box. Jihad. New rule. If we really want to stop terrorism, we have to get Muslim men laid. Five British Muslims who were recently sent home from Guantanamo Bay accused their American captors of bringing in prostitutes to taunt them. It turned out that most of them had never even seen a woman naked before. This naturally made me wonder how many members of Al-Qaeda have ever even dated a girl and what would happen if we hired women to infiltrate Al-Qaeda cells and have sex with them. I'll bet you things would change quickly after this covert operation. Because young Muslim men don't really hate America. They're jealous of America. We have rap videos, the Hilton sisters, and magazines with titles like Barely Legal. You know what's barely legal in Afghanistan? Everything. Young men need sex. And if they don't get it for months on end, they wind up cursing the day they ever decided to go to Cornell. Have you ever wondered why the word from the Arab street is so angry? It's because it's a bunch of guys standing in the street, which is what guys do when they don't have girlfriends, when they're not allowed to even talk to a girl. Of course they want to commit suicide, unlike in this country where it's the married guys who want to kill themselves. But here, there's always hope that if you can at least talk to a girl, she might be crazy enough to go for you. Or you could get rich and buy one like people do in Beverly Hills. The connection between no sex and anger is real. It's why prize fighters stay celibate when they're in training, so that on fight night they're pissed off and ready to kill. It's why football players don't have sex after Wednesday. And conversely, it's why Bill Clinton never started a war.
So to paraphrase the sign in his old war room, it's the pussy, stupid. We need the coalition of the willing to be really willing. We need to mobilize two divisions of skanks, a regiment of hoes, and a brigade of girls who just can't say no, all under the command of Colonel Ann Coulter, who'll be dressed in her Ilsa, she-wolf of the SS uniform. Forget the Peace Corps. We need a piece of ass corps. Girls, there's a cure for terrorism, and you're sitting on it. So you guys in college? Or is that the deal? College? Oxford? No? Cowley High? Where are you? <laughs> I'm taking assembly line and nuts and bolts 101 and how to clean the ashtray. I'm an elitist scum. Welcome me to your hearts. I only like readers. Sorry. <laughs> no time for hooligans. Readers and artists. Those are my kind. But you ladies keep fucking the conservative guys. Yeah, keep fucking the Tories, fucking the Republicans. These bull neck, bulging vein, fucking burr cut, waterhead fucking idiots. You keep fucking them. Two inch piggly wiggly dicks. Probably can't even put them in you one time before they come. Sorry, honey. Yeah, and then we see on Donahue and Oprah, you know, years from now going, I wish my husband would eat me more, make love to me better. Hey, fuck it, you, you, you chose him. Sorry, you had the artist who wanted to eat your butthole for dinner, but no, you chose conservative Mr. Bank Account. Well, fuck off. Get in the tub and fucking raise your legs under the water. There, there, there's your fucking love. Let the poets jack off in circles in the woods. You get stuck with piggly wiggly burr cut two inch pecker. Fuck it. Fuck the artist. That is your job. Fuck artist. Find a flute player. Someone who can use his fingers and his tongue. <laughs> Fuck artist. Only. I'm an accountant at Wesson and Wesson. I'm a lawyer. No, you're now a jack-off king. I'm fucking the street musician over you guy who I can reside my buttocks on his face. Do I seem shallow? No, Bill, you have a great emotional depth. I'm scared for your soul, Bill. Don't worry, I don't have a soul. Hey. Send in Bill Hicks. Hey, you're eating yogurt. Mm -hmm. Did you know yogurt's made from active cultures? Mm -hmm. And do you know what that means? Mm -mm. It means it's alive. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yogurt's alive. And you know what happens when live things get in you, don't you? Uh -uh. They search for nourishment. In fact, right now, little yogurt parasites are stampeding through your system, attaching themselves to vital organs and leaching the life out of them. Uh -uh. That cup of yogurt is eating you from the inside out, chewing on you from tongue to tailbone. Uh -uh. That's why eating yogurt helps you lose weight. So go on. Have some cool, delicious yogurt. Yogurt, it's like swallowing a ravenous rat. Oh! This message brought to you from the National Ice Cream Council, who urges you to stop eating yogurt because it's alive, and that's pretty icky.
out of Mr. Pibb. Mr. Pibb is a replica of Dr. Pepper, but it's a bullshit replica, because dude didn't even get his degree. <laughs> Why'd you have to drop out and start making pop so soon? <laughs> the commercial for Diet Dr. Pepper says, it tastes just like regular Dr. Pepper. Well, then they fucked up. I went to a doctor. All he did was suck blood from my neck. Don't go see Dr. Acula. I want to ha hang a map of the world in my house. Then I'm going to put pins into other locations that I've traveled to. But first I'm going to have to travel to the top two corners of the map so it won't fall down. You know, uh... People think I'm into sports just because I'm a man. I'm not into sports. I mean, I like Gatorade. That's about as far as it goes. And by the way, you don't have to be sweating and holding a basketball to enjoy a Gatorade. You can just be a thirsty dude. Gatorade forgets about this demographic. I'm thirsty for absolutely no reason. Other than the fact that liquid has not touched my lips for some time. Can I have a Gatorade too, or does that lightning bolt mean no? Yeah, I'm not into sports. If I had athlete's foot, my first reaction would be, that's not my fucking foot. I don't wanna have my face on the cover of a Wheaties box. I wanna have my face on the cover of a Rice Krispies box. Snap, crackle, Mitch, and pop. Hey, how the fuck did he do that? Hey, in Hollywood, it's all who you know, and I know crackle. I saw on HBO they were advertising this boxing match. They said, it's a fight to the finish. That's a good place to end. <laughs> Every McDonald's commercial end the same way, right? McDonald's commercials end like this. Prices and participation may vary. Now I want to open a McDonald's and not participate in anything. I want to be a stubborn McDonald's owner. I say, cheeseburgers? Nope. We got spaghetti. And blankets. But we are not affiliated with that clown. <laughs> he attracts too many children. And I'm getting really sick of guys named Todd. You know, yeah, it's just a goofy, it's a goofy fucking name, okay? Hi, what's your name? Todd. I'm Todd. And this is Blake and Blair and Blaine and Brent. Where are all these goofy fucking boys' names coming from? Taylor, Tyler, Jordan, Flynn. These are not real names. You want to hear a real name? Eddie. Eddie is a real name. Whatever happened to Eddie? He was here a minute ago. Joey and Jackie and Johnny and Phil, Bobby and Tommy and Danny and Bill. What happened? Todd and Cody and Dylan and Cameron and Tucker. Hi, Tucker. I'm Todd. Hi, Todd. I'm Tucker. <laughs> fuck Tucker. Tucker sucks. <laughs> and fuck Tucker's friend, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's another soft name for a boy, Kyle. Soft names make soft people. I'll bet you anything that ten times out of ten, Nicky, Vinny, and Tony will beat the shit out of Todd, Kyle, and Tucker. <laughs> Yeah.
Thank you very much. You don't have the baby, you get a lot of extra money. And good for the environment. I know in Norway, you're all about the environment. You have a lot of stringent rules and regulations about recycling and fucking. Yeah. How many babies can you have? As many as you want? Then all the other shit is pointless. Fucking, your uterus is the biggest polluter on this planet, ladies. Your combined uteri is more destructive to this planet than a thousand Dow Chemical Corporations. One fucking baby. If you're already recycling at your optimum, one baby still will increase your carbon footprint 40 times. The next time you see a hybrid car with a baby seat in it, smash the fucking windows out of that car, Fight Club style. Steal the baby seat, leave a condom where the baby seat was, and see if you send a message. Because that is every sanctimonious cunt that thinks that they're part of the solution when they're the exact problem. You're the fucking problem, lady. If you don't have the baby, you could drive a whole fleet of Hummers to and from work a long way, a whole funeral procession, a dozen Hummers, and you could circle the block waiting for optimum parking, throw McDonald's bags out the window, hang your ass out and fart styrofoam packing peanuts into the atmosphere and still not cause a fraction of the damage that one stupid fucking baby will cause to this planet. Sorry. Oh. God damn it. I hate good audiences. They fuck up my timing. So every time you have a kid, you're not only just fucking up the environment, you're you're devaluing humanity. Humanity's no different than any other commodity where the more you have, the less it's worth. As we hear old people talk about, you know, this used to be a community. When we grew up here in the 40s, this neighborhood was a community and everybody knew everybody else's name. And when you'd see someone, you'd don your hat, good morning, Mrs. Robinson, and everyone knew the postman. Now. Now everyone's just rude and self-centered. No one talks to anybody and it's a whole different... You know why, lady? Because when it was a fucking cool, nice neighborhood, you had fucking 10 kids and they all had fucking 10 kids and now it's a, just a, a concentration camp of fucking people and you've fucking devalued the currency and the people aren't worth any. It's the same, like, if you had a kitten at home, Imagine you had a little kitten at home, and it gave you great joy. Hello, Mr. Bimbles, how was your night? I went out with Kevin, and he still doesn't want to have a commitment, but I don't need a commitment, because I have you. You're all I need, Mr. Bimbles. You get actual joy from that kitten. Imagine if you went home tonight, all of a sudden, there's 675 kittens in that same one-bedroom apartment. You'd be going, motherfucking kittens everywhere! I'll fucking kill, God damn it! Kevin, get my golf shoes! We're fucking killing kittens tonight! I fucking, I will twist your goddamn neck until your eyes come out! You motherfucker, I will hang you Apocalypse Now style from the doorknob to warn other kittens 
kid is not worth shit anymore. You've made it worthless by making too many of the fucking things. Somebody said, are you married? I go, eh, no. Not putting it down, it's just a tough decision in life. Married or single? It's like when the doctor goes, well, what'll it be? Ointment or suppository? <laughs> you have to compare the disadvantages of each. Marriage or not. You gotta say to yourself, hey, do I wanna be a single guy and run around in bars with a bunch of different morons? Or do I wanna be married with a family Stay home with the same exact group of morons. <laughs> Do I want to go out every night talking about a bunch of stuff I'm not really interested in just to see if I can get some sex out of it? <laughs> or do I want to be married? Talking about a bunch of stuff I've heard before just to see if I get some sex out of it. <laughs> Do I want to spend a lot of nights sneaking off to the bathroom with a dirty magazine? Or do I want to be single? These are the choices we face. They're not easy. Let us pray we have the wisdom. <laughs> I'll tell you one advantage of being married. One advantage of being married is that the food is much better. Yes, it is. I have been single a long time, and the food, if you're married, cannot be as bad as the stuff I'm eating. I have bugs in the house going, we're going to order in. Would you mind not dropping any more of your food on the floor? It's just making it hard to walk. None of us are eating it. We may be bugs, but we have to take decent care of ourselves. Every time we think about same-sex marriage, it makes us sick to our guts. I mean, to people who want to commit to a stable, monogamous, lifelong relationship, what are they, nuts? It's unnatural. Now a man should not lie with a person who is a guy. He should only lie to his wife, the Bible is clear. We're defenders of marriage in three-button suits. We'll raise our double standard and see who salutes. Defenders of marriage Defending the institution against people Who want to get married Every time we think about same-sex parents Oh my gosh, we exclaim I mean to people who want to provide a protective and nurturing family environment Have they no shame? It's so deviant the Lord's holy word As my second wife said to my third That a family's based on obligation and fear We're defenders of marriage Connubial narcs Ever vigilant and patriotic Patriarchs Defenders of marriage Defending the institution against people Who want to get married One summer evening when my woman was doing laundry I shared a six-pack with an old John Bircher And oh so wisely he imparted an ancient quandary To ponder he said it's nature versus legislature Are people born gay or do they turn gay just to piss off Dick Army? We're an army of dicks with a militant stance Let's get the government out of our lives and into our pants Defenders of marriage Defending the institution against people Who wanna get married 
and have their insurance carried and be beneficiaried and be next to the ones they love when they are buried. And there's a lot of things to be mad about. Uh, one thing I saw the other day, which I thought was kind of alarming, kind of made me mad, was the fact that EMI, the massive record conglomerate, has just cut loose, like, what, 12, 1,500 employees, cut a whole bunch of bands, and have outsourced their CD manufacturer to some place where you can pay someone $65 a, uh, a year to work. And, and so that's how they're cutting costs, and that's how they're trying to save themselves and their mansions. And you remember the last couple of years, the major label industry has been steadily going downwards into the abyss. And they had several meetings. What can we possibly do? Well, I've got $80 million in the bank. If this thing keeps going the way it's going, I'm not going to have anything more than $90 million this time next year. This is a crisis. So you start <laughs> cutting employees. You start cutting bands. So bands never get a chance to fully develop. They just get chopped off at the knees before they get to do anything. And in the 11th hour, the last thing they could come up with is pull the prices down by three bucks. When their feet are hanging off the edge of the cliff and their heels are staring down at the abyss, right when they're about to fully tank the last possible thing they come up with, when the, when the knife blade is like right at their eye, they go like, <gasps> let's try being cool. And apparently it's too late. Too many people are too cool. They're pulling shit off the internet. And they said, let's cut the crap and not call it piracy anymore. These people are thieves. Now, I say a few things that are probably wrong. I say things that are wrong, even though I know they're wrong, I enjoy saying them. Because sometimes I get so frustrated, I just say, fuck it. And so the major label industries are pissed off that people are downloading songs. Okay, I have never downloaded a song in my life. I, I just don't care to. If I see a record that I want to check out, chances are the band who's on that record sleeps on people's floors. And if I don't buy the record, they're even more out of macaroni and cheese than they were the day before. And so I'm more than happy, you know. And... It is funny to me that everyone is stealing this song and that song in the major label industry going, goddamn thieves, these goddamn fucking kids. And they can't get it through their thick, greedy heads that they've been overcharging people for music for so many years and cranking out so many alarmingly mediocre, tepid records for so many years where the only song you want is the one that you saw the video of that looks somewhat interesting. The rest of the album is bleh. And why would you want to pay $22.50 in a strip mall for a fucking J-Lo record. That's crime. And so some people steal. And where I would not really advocate thievery, I wouldn't say, hey, go shoplift, because you can get in trouble. And I don't want to be the one saying, hey, do that, like you're going to do anything I'm going to tell you to anyway. Of course not. I'm just saying, I just don't think it's a great idea. But when I see these huge bands, you know, the, the, and just, the, the promotional budget is so overwrought, and the executives are running around going, how am I going to make my $8 million? I need my $8 million. Motherfucker, how much money do you need? And the funniest thing is when you see a guy like, like little Lars Ulrich, from Metallica in, in a suit that was hilarious sitting on, you know testifying on CNN cameras I want my 68 cents that little bastard from Modesto took my my 69 cents god damn it I want it back how much fucking money does this guy have in the bank 200 million motherfucker if I was in Metallica I would do big ass tours for free. I would charge the people money and I'd give all the money away. How much fucking money do you need? But your kids, 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 
they're all, they're all paid off. They're all going to college. They're all going to be biologists or whatever the hell they want or, or just professional loafers with that much money in the bank. And so I would just be giving it away, but no, Lars wants his 68 fucking cents. When you put out such crappy records, motherfucker, you shouldn't get any money. So... So here's what. When you see the little teeny tiny indie bands in their van, buy the record at this show. Buy it when you can. Anything bigger than a little teeny tiny band, steal that shit, I say. <laughs> Fuck it. Any, anything that says Jennifer Lopez on it, just take it. I figure they owe you. Ben Affleck films should be free. It's such torture to get through them, and usually when you see them, you're incarcerated in an economy on an airplane for like the next 16 hours. And you're like, ah, fuck, okay, I'll watch it, I'll watch it, because the numbing boredom is slowly killing me. And that's the only time you can take these handsome, blank actors who put no emotion at stake in any of their performances and make no compelling art at all because they're not willing to do what it takes to make it fucking hurt. And they should give it away for free. Anyway. Now, to balance the scale, I'd like to talk about some things that bring us together. Things that point out our similarities instead of our differences. Because that's all you ever hear about in this country is our differences. That's all the media and the politicians are ever talking about, the things that separate us, things that make us different from one another. That's the way the ruling class operates in any society. They try to divide the rest of the people. They keep the lower and the middle classes fighting with each other so that they, the rich, can run off with all the fucking money. Fairly simple thing happens to work. You know anything different, that's what they're going to talk about. Race, religion, ethnic and national background, jobs, income, education, social status, sexuality, anything you can do, keep us fighting with each other so that they can keep going to the bank. You know how I describe the economic and social classes in this country? The upper class keeps all of the money, pays none of the taxes. The middle class pays all of the taxes, does all of the work. The poor are there just to scare the shit out of the middle class. <laughs> Keep them showing up at those jobs. So, stirring up the shit is something I like to do from time to time, but I also like to know that I can come back to these little things we have in common, little universal moments that we share separately, the things that make us the same. They're so small we hardly ever talk about them. Did you ever look at your watch? And then you don't know what time it is. And you have to look again. And you still don't know the time. So you look a third time and somebody says, what time is it? You say, I don't know. Did you ever notice how sometimes all day Wednesday, you keep thinking it's Thursday. And it happens over and over all day long. And then the next day, you're all right again. Do you ever find yourself standing in one of the rooms in your house and you can't remember why you went in there? And two words float across your mind, Alzheimer's disease. You ever been talking to yourself and somebody comes in the room and you have to make believe you were singing? And you hope to God the other person really believes there's a song called What Does She Think I Am? Some Kind of Putz? <laughs> Little experiences we've all had. 
You ever been sitting in a railroad train in a station, and there's another train sitting right next to you, and one of them starts to move, and you can't tell which one it is? <laughs> How about when you're out on a small boat on a windy day? You ever been out rocking back and forth for three or four hours trying to keep your balance? Rough seas, little boat. Then you get back into the shore and you're standing on the dock and you can swear there was something inside of you that was still out there rocking. <laughs> Did you ever try to pick up a suitcase you thought was full, but it wasn't? And you go, Doom? And for just a split second, you feel really strong. How about when you're looking through a chain link fence? Do you ever notice if you're just the right distance from a chain link fence, sometimes it seems to go... What is that? How do they do that? Do you ever try to tell somebody they have a little bit of dirt on their face? You can never get them to rub the right spot, can you? Say, you got a little bit of dirt right here. They always go, where, here? And you just want to slap the bastard. Do you ever notice how awful your face looks in a mirror in a restroom that has fluorescent lights? Every cut, scrape, scratch, scar, scare, bruise, boil, bump, pimple, zip, wart, welt, and abscess you've had since birth. All seem to come back at the same time. And all you can think of is, I gotta get the fuck out of here! Did you ever notice sometimes when you're walking with your arm around your date, one of you has to change the way you're walking? Men and women don't walk the same. One of them has to change. Either the man has to walk like this, Or the woman has to walk like this. Joey, how are you? How about when you're going up a flight of stairs and you think there's one more step? And you go... And then you have to kind of keep doing that, you know? So people will think it's something you do all the time. I do this all the time. It's the third stage of syphilis. <laughs> Same thing happens when you're going down the stairs. You could swear there was one more step. <laughs> Holy shit. My hips are in my chest. When you drink grapefruit juice in the morning, do you go like this? I do too. Why do we drink it? It's like ice cream throat. You know when you've been eating ice cream too fast and you get that frozen spot in the back of your throat, but you can't do anything about it because you can't reach it to rub it? You just have to kind of wait for it to go away. And it does. Then what do you do? Eat more ice cream! What are we, fucking stupid? <laughs> Do you ever fall asleep on a late afternoon and wake up after dark and you don't know what goddamn day it is?
Like when you have your head on the pillow. Do you ever notice when you have your head on the pillow, if you close the bottom eye, the pillow is down there. Then if you switch eyes, the pillow moves up there. Whoa, holy shit, Dave, look at this. The mystery of the moving pillow. I think it's related to the chain link fence mystery myself. Do you ever have to sneeze while you're taking a piss? It's frightening, isn't it? It's frightening because actually you can't do it. It's physically impossible to sneeze while pissing. Your brain won't let it happen. Your brain says, stop pissing! We're going to sneeze now! Because your brain knows you might blow your asshole out. Do you remember the days when water was water? I'm talking about real water, straight from the faucet. No bubbles, no fancy flavors or filtering, no exotic-sounding foreign names. Just a tall, cool glass of water straight from your kitchen sink. Well, thanks to the folks at Tap Water Beverages, those memories are as close as the bottled water aisle of your local supermarket. You see, the tap water bottling process captures all of the lead, bacteria, mercury, and traces of actual raw sewage that gives tap water that distinctive flavor you remember from your childhood. And yes, they even remembered the fluoride. Tap water. Taste the memory. Dead, dead, dead. Someday you'll be dead. Dead, dead, dead. Someday we'll all be dead The minute we're born we start dying We die a little more every day Young or old, rich or poor There's nothing we can do to stop it So look long at that Christmas tree It may be the last one that you see Decorate your house in green and red Cause someday you'll be dead Dead, dead, dead Someday you'll be dead, 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 dead Someday we'll all be dead It might happen in a couple months or fifty years from now But no matter when it happens it will seem too soon to you So be sure on Christmas Eve when you snuggle into bed That you thank God for your family Cause someday they'll be dead Dead, dead, dead Someday they'll be dead Dead, dead, dead Someday we'll all be dead Who knows how many Christmases are left in their short life Nobody knows, that's my point Enjoy them while you can And so on Christmas morning Let good tidings fill your head What a festive season Someday you'll be dead Dead, dead, dead Someday we'll be dead Dead, dead, dead Everyone you know Dead A very merry Christmas to you Dead, dead, dead Merry Christmas everybody!
don't know. One thing Clinton did I didn't like, thing Clinton did I didn't like, raise taxes. Taxes all high. You know what's fucked up about taxes? You don't even pay taxes. They take tax. You get the check, money gone. That's not a payment. That's a jack. You get check jacked every week. Let me get this straight. They take money out your check every week. Then they want some more money in April. What kind of gangster shit is that? Why can't they just take the money they needed in the first place? Don't come to me all late like a crackhead. I need a little bit more money. Uh, the Pentagon need a paint job. Uncle Sam's on the pipe. And you know what's fucked up about taxes, man? You gotta pay taxes for shit you don't even use. City tax, state tax, social security tax. You don't get the money till you're 65. 65, meanwhile the average black man dies at 54. <laughs> shit, black people should get social security at 29. Black people don't live that long. Hypertension, high blood pressure, NYPD. <laughs> you got to pay taxes for shit you don't use. You know, like the fire department. My house ain't burning. <laughs> Keep the sprinklers on 24 hours a day. Got a nice moist house. <laughs> I don't got no kids. Why am I paying school tax? I know some of y'all got kids. You think I give a fuck how dumb your children are? I don't give your kids in the 10th grade with coloring books. I wear condoms for a reason. I'm trying to save a little dough. Always better to be too ridiculous than not ridiculous enough, I say. I like looking at boobies. Oh, I like porno movies. Oh, porno movies. I like meeting girls all around the world. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, oh, I yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to go to Hooters. Oh, yes. The girls there think I'm a loser. Oh, yeah. But I don't care. I just like looking at their cooters. <laughs> all right, I went to Nevada with an infected bladder. I'll tell you how it happened, even though it doesn't matter. I'm driving down the freeway in my Dodge Saturn. I stop at Hooters, now you see the pattern I open up my wallet, pay for my chicken I say to the lady, would you like my fingers to do the licking The look on her face is kinda panic stricken Her boyfriend knocks me out, now I'm bedridden Go to a small town hospital The nurse gives me a colonoscopy to be hospitable See, the doc on duty treats me like a criminal I say I come from the city, I'm kinda liberal I better get out, I better not stop I better head for the border cause here come the cops So I, a hot wire I rehearse in the parking lot I drop a freestyle verse because I rap a lot I look in the rear view, I, I thought I lost them Sirens all blaring, lights blinking, it's awesome See, I wanna stop, play dead like a possum But there's no reason to bother, there's a dead guy in the coffin See, I'm in my hearse, I'm leading a procession I got the cops following, I'll teach them a lesson I take them through a Burger King drive through I better cut back on fat or else I'm gonna die too I like naked ladies I like making babies. Oh, yeah. I wanna make them with girls all around the world. I like girls. I, guess I, I like do. girls. I like to go to Hooters. Hooters the girls there think I'm a loser. <laughs> but I don't care. I just like looking at their cooters. <laughs> now, I'm in a stolen hearse in Nevada. I hear something in the back, some chitter and some chat. 
ladder I pull the car over to see what is the matter It's something in the coffin making the glitter clatter I open up the coffin, body starts coughing shit Snot gurgling, sneezing and vomiting I say, hey, you want a double whopper with cheese? And it says, hey, get me to the hospital please So well, I, I go back to the small town hospital The nurse gives me a colonoscopy to be hospitable Cops come and treat me like a criminal I try to explain, they throw me in a jail cell My cellmate looks like he's getting ready when I say cellmate Well, I mean cellmate He starts batting his eyelashes and looking friendly So I grab the toilet seat and say this could be deadly He says I'll get you when I'm ready See, I call for the guard and uh, I grab his gun And uh, I grab his keys and uh, I freaking run And I go through the parking lot and jump in my Saturn And I head for the Hooters and now you see the pattern I like looking at boobies survivor of a horrible bus crash. Once there was a little sandwich sitting on the seat of a bus bouncing up and down. A sweet little sandwich made of roasted peppers and lettuce and a few other things on sprouted grain bread with a modicum of mustard and no other condiments to speak of. And the bus was bouncing along until it came upon another bus coming around the curve in the opposite direction. And the two buses collided and smashed and crashed and rolled down the hill and blew up into a beautiful fiery explosion. But just before this happened, the little sandwich was hurled out the window when the bus went over a bump and thus was spared the horrible fate that befell all the rest of the passengers on both buses, not to mention the happy family of five that was living in the house that the two buses crashed into just before they exploded, burning, exploding, and burning everybody involved to death, including the happy family that had been happily sleeping, because this all happened at night, and also many sleeping animals were also killed. The sandwich sat by the side of the road, wondering why none of the fire trucks and ambulances that came rushing to the scene didn't run them over, and over time, the little sandwich developed a terrible guilt complex that rendered him inedible as well as incapable of enjoying any kind of meaningful existence. Nothing else happened. The end. Thank you. 
Hang on. Hang on, pour more funny down my head. Pipe down. <laughs> Jesus died for your sins. I'm doing it for your mere entertainment dollar. <laughs> far more admirable. Jesus never made you laugh. Never once. You never worked all week fucking stacking pants at the Banana Republic or whatever you do and rushed home on Friday night and dressed up to rummage through the Bible to see what crazy antics your slapstick savior was up to this week. He never made you laugh. He was a mythical, boring, unfunny fuck and I love you more. Now watch me jack off. That's not even a regular tagline. Kind of detracts from the whole purpose of this joke. But the, why would you, I don't even understand the connection with die for your sins. What is, how, you, he died for your sins. Well, how does one affect the other? I, I fucking, I hit myself in the foot with a shovel for your mortgage. What, I don't, I don't understand the, and if there is a correlation, why would you do that? Why would you die for someone's sins? Your, your sins are the only interesting thing about you, dreary, bleak motherfuckers. Your sins are what make you, make you fantastic. That's what keeps us great and exciting and fun. That's what makes you alive, man. You should wear your sins on your sleeve. You, you should be trying to top your sins on a daily basis. When you go to work in the morning, the first thing out of your mouth tomorrow morning at work should be the dirtiest shit you did tonight, because that's what people want to hear. It makes you, ah. Right? You tell me a story, hypothetically, you tell me a story about what a good Christian kid you are and how that good book has filled you with some effervescent, loving light of Jesus that shines out of every pore in your squash. You're walking on sunshine because of the Lord. At the same time, you keep the story going real loud. At the same time, you tell me a story about that one time you kick-fucked a girl with cerebral palsy. And we'll see who draws a crowd. <laughs> even, even your make-believe slapstick Jesus on a stick and have to walk away from you right now. Oh, that's very, that's very nice. I pray for you too, but I, I really want to hear this. <laughs> Start over. <laughs> you did what? <laughs> Was she into it? Oh my God. <laughs> what kind of industrial lubricant do you? I can't believe I died for these stories. These stories are fascinating. So fucking silly. If you're Christian, you get cheesed off of the Jesus. I got Jew-hating stuff to follow it. So, I mean, you are a shithead, but I can make you feel like you're not the only shithead. So I got a fucking big blistering chunk of Jew-hating coming right your way right now. So a thing I, I wanted to bring up, just kind of wanted to toss this out to you. And if you notice, I haven't spent much time talking about George W. Bush because what more can you say about the guy? In a few months, he's gone, kind of, okay? Well, yes, and we're all happy about that. But there's no breaking news I can tell you about the man to have you go, <gasps> revelation! Because you've come to your own conclusions, you watch the news, but here's one, a couple of things I wanted to point out. 
All of you are at least, uh, well, all of you who are not from America or have English only at your disposal, you are at least bilingual. You've got English, you're understanding me, and you probably have one or two or three other or more other languages at your disposal. I admire this. But it must be said that English was nothing for you in comparison to learning Dutch. To learn Dutch, the tongue must do things I have not activated the muscles in my tongue necessary to speak Dutch. The sexiest, most nice thing to say in Dutch sounds like someone has a throat disease. Where are you from? Vachlingen. Oh, no, you're not. Oh, yes, I am. And so English must be relatively simple for you. Hello, don't do that. Got it. You know, um, you know, in the verb tenses, I do, I did, I will do, got it. And so what did you do on your way to work one day on your bicycle? You had a how to speak English on the handlebars, a book. And by the time you got to the office, hey, what'd you do on your bike today? I learned English. Well, you took an English lesson. No, I learned English. You know the entire English language. Webster's Dictionary right here. Wow, and that's, that's impressive. Many of you know a smattering, or not so much of a smattering, but a whole heap of German, or French, or something else. And that's interesting. I wish I knew more than one language. I am kind of tied to English at present. Now, my president is only responsible for one language, perhaps one of the easiest languages to understand and comprehend, besides maybe pidgin English, which has like maybe 80 words in the entire lexicon. And so my president staggers through the English language. At best, he has a tenuous hold on this very easy to understand language, like a man holding on to a live eel. Like, come here, God damn it! For you, English is like, this? I mean, it's, it's your bitch, English. You've, English, I've got you! Not my president. Now, for many years, President Bush has had a man in his life named Karl Rove. You've heard the name. Karl Rove, his campaign manager, his strategist, a very smart Machiavellian baby. Now, uh, now that uh, indictments sometimes rain out of the sky like angry spears, neoconservatives, before they're about to go to jail, they see the incoming indictments and go, I have to go home and spend more time with my family. Gotta go! And they leave. And that's what Karl Rove did recently. And I hope they throw his ass in jail sooner than later. But, you know, all I have now is just hope, which is a slippery bit at best. So anyway, now the president's mind no longer has Karl Rove to organize it. And so now uh, the president's mind is this open book. It is an open pen and the words that are like lambs inside his mind, little sheep. The pen is open and the sheep are wandering all over the intellectual wasteland of the president's mind. And there's no shepherd. There's no one to go, no, 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 over here. No, 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 no. And now the English language stands all over the president's mind on car hoods, on roofs, on limbs of trees, like little refugees, like, someone take me? Someone give me a sentence or a paragraph to live inside? No, you're going to be in a word ghetto for the rest of your life. <laughs> and now when the president has to speechify, I have to, I have to talkify with these people, I have to wordomize. He takes words like, oh, you, you go here, and then, come here, there, uh, verb, no, you, no, you, yeah, yeah, just get on out there. 
And now everything the president says is amazing. Now that is, he's living in an unroved environment. And so I want all of you to pay attention to everything he says from now until his last day in office, because it's going to be great. And the other day he said something so magnificent, it was worth the seven years of torture and hemorrhaging of money and human blood for this one amazing speech he made. And he's on the stump, he's improvising, and he said, uh, an interesting comment was made. Somebody said to me, I heard somebody say, where's Mandela? Well, Mandela's dead. Now, let's just pause for a moment. Mandela's dead. Now, if you go to the internets and go to the Googles and type in Mandela's dead, uh, you'll be taken to one or 50 websites with the soundbite and the transcription of the entire quote. If you see the transcription, you'll see, well, Mandela's dead, comma. If you listen to the audio bite, you'll hear, well, Mandela's dead, catch in throat, as the president realizes He's not dead. He's been out of public life for many years. He's a, a late octogenarian. He might be in his early 90s, but he's alive. He's alive. How do I undo what I just said? Do I say, well, I was wrong about that. I, what I meant to say was, no. The president is a stubborn man. He stays the course with the unwieldy bit of non-logic and takes this square peg of idiocy and rams it into the round hole of the collected American consciousness. And so let's move on with the quote, shall we? He said, well, Mandela's dead because Saddam Hussein killed all the Mandelas. <laughs> ah, ow, my mind is splitting. And so I went to the internet after hearing this audio bite on the radio and I typed in Mandela's dead, go Googles, go. <laughs> and it took me to the quote, the soundbite and the chat room that drops underneath like a beard. And people are adding content to the internet like we need more of that. And most of the sentiments of the letters were my president, wah, wah, wah. But a few people still carry the buckets of Kool-Aid for this guy. He's got millions of fans, not as many as he used to have, and he's losing them every day, but he's still got them. And so some people will defend this guy no matter what he says. And so uh, one guy said, well, you liberals, you book readers, you know, you Taliban sympathizers, you, you don't understand the context that the president was speaking in. If you, if you cared to understand the context, everything the president said makes sense. So the context, let's explore it for a moment, shall we? The context is, there is no context. Before the president said these words, there was only darkness and silence of his closed mouth. Then he opened his mouth and these words tumbled forth. All of you have said these words, but not in that order. You said, well, Mandela, apostrophe Mandela is dead because, yes, Saddam, you said that, uh, Hussein, yes, killed, yes, all the, yes, the, Mandela's, plural, maybe not, because the Mandela's are not a band, they're not a team, and it's not a family you have dinner at, their house. You don't go like, oh, we're going to the, over to the Mandela's for pizza. That's not gonna be you, so just face that. And so the president is the first person in the world to put these words in this specific order. Basically, he did to the English language what Thelonious Monk did to the piano. In my mind, he reinvented it and made it amazing again. And so the context is, there's no context. The context is, he invented that.
That's it. And another guy wrote in and said, well, you don't understand the deeper meaning of what the president's saying. The president's a very deep man, and, and, you, and you, you, you book-reading liberals, you people into literacy and shit, all, that, you know, all you want to do is run the guy down, and you're not deep thinkers like us, us conservatives. We're real deep. And so I, I tried to get deep on the concept. Okay, let's see. I'll get deep. Um, let's see. Uh, Mandela's dead because another man killed the plural version of him. A man who's not dead is dead because the plural version killed is, is killed by Saddam Hussein. Huh? Like, let's see. A man who's not dead is dead because Saddam Hussein killed the plural version of the undead man, which means that it's deep. Huh? And the only conclusion I came to is that Saddam Hussein killed Mandelalism. He killed those who exhibit Mandelalosity, those who had Mandelalicity, those who were Mandelalicious, Mandelalicious, who exhibited traits of Mandelalaciousness. Nah, the president just says stuff and it comes out of his mouth and the rest of the world is left to wonder. And that's why his wife has that grin on her face every day like, Stolian Prozac, Stolian Prozac. And so, that poor babe, plus she tasted his dick before, and it's just all downhill for her. Anyway, I'm just saying, I know, it's a rough room, sir, it's the Amsterdam, none of this is new to you. I've seen the videos of the man in the livestock, I've seen it. Actually, I haven't, but I've heard a lot about it. Anyway, so there's that. So the, my president, the man to watch in 08. So there's that. Each week on the Black Market Baby Roadshow, leading black market traders travel throughout the nation offering free appraisals of your unwanted or stolen children. This is a relatively healthy two-month-old baby girl. She has no noticeable scars. A fair price would be in the twenty dollars to $30,000 range. Watch as the Black Market Baby Roadshow cameras capture tales of long-neglected children snatched from attics, basements, and daycare centers. I found this baby in a private nursery at a nearby estate. This is an eight-month-old baby boy, and it's actually a distant relative of the British royal family and worth several hundred thousand dollars. Why, I had no idea. Black Market Baby Roadshow's featured guest experts also offer tips on the preservation and protection of your newly purchased black market child. This, this baby is my second, or no, I mean uh, my third, my third cousin's kid. Uh, they, they was killed in a high-speed automobile collision. So keep an eye on your local birth announcements and hop on the Black Market Baby Roadshow tour in a city near you. Time to evolve ideas. We, you know, evolution did not end with us growing thumbs. You do know that, right? <laughs> Didn't end there. We're at the point now where we, we're going to have to evolve ideas. The reason the world's so fucked up is we're undergoing evolution. And the reason our institutions, our traditional religions are all crumbling is because they're no longer relevant. <laughs> they, they're no longer relevant. So it's time for us to create a new philosophy and perhaps even a new religion, you see. And that's okay because that's our right because we are free children of God with minds who can imagine anything. And that's kind of our role. (laughs) How do you evolve ideas? I'll give you an example right here. By the way, there are more dick jokes coming. Please relax. (laughs) I know I'm starting to lose them a little bit here with this shit. I'm like digging a fucking hole right now. And another thing. Where the hell did Bill go? He dug himself right through the planet. I hear people heckling in Chinese right now. Why, why you don't do dick joke? Do dick joke, wind crawled back. 
no one wants to hear your philosophy, they want to hear dick joke. Wow, what a completely rational heckler. Hmm. They pay to hear dick joke, not to hear you talk about the President Bush. Here's how you evolve an idea. I'll give you an example. Why is the drug czar of this country... Well, let's go back. Why do we have a drug czar in this country? A. B. Why is he a cop? Why isn't he a guy in recovery who's had an alcohol and or drug addiction and overcome it? And why doesn't he help people with the same problem with compassion rather than condemnation? Why do we put people who are on drugs in jail? They're sick. They're not criminals. Sick people don't get healed in jail. See, it makes no sense. And if we evolve the idea, you see, the planet might be more compassionate and something like heaven might dawn. I want everyone here to take the five dried grams I taped under your all chairs right now. Under your chairs. Check them out. Check them out. Under your chair. Let's go, man. The fucking UFOs are waiting in the fifth dimension. Let's go. We'll do it later. We'll do it as a closer. <coughs> oh, shit. How many of you folks are wearing a condom right now? Most of you? The key question for a guy is, do you mind wearing condoms? That's what a friend of mine asked me, this female friend I have. She's one of my buddies. We're not dating or nothing, so we're just chatting. And she goes, do you mind wearing a condom? How do guys feel about it? Do they mind? And I'm thinking, well, yeah, but, you know, I don't want to tell her that. You don't want to sound like you're the type of guy that goes around whining about every little thing, right? So she goes, do you mind wearing a condom? I'm lying with a drink. Mind? Ha, ha, ha. Clink. Contraire. I prefer them. Sometimes I wear six, 12, 15 condoms at a time. Why would I mind? There's no difference in the sensation, unless you count the total lack of any. I wish I had one on right now, in fact. If only I had a piece of disgusting rubber just strangling the base of my tallywhacker with enough force to cause my eyes to fly out on springs like somebody in a Warner Brothers cartoon and ripping up pubic hair in eight different locations. Woof, what a night. I love a tight, rippy feeling in the genital area. It relaxes me. In fact, that's how I relax after a hard day. Get naked, get in my chair, put on a fez, and get out a wrench. Start tightening that puppy right around the base of the old Johnson till I get a good blue bulbous thing that looks like a Fahrenheit thermometer going. Then I like to get out some pliers and start yanking out pubic hair in clumps. And I'll be a monkey's uncle if I'm not sleeping like a baby in five minutes. Five. Why would I mind... Don't you see? It's not myself I care about. It's those poor little spermy men. One chance in their boring little spermy lives. Come on, men. We're going to make a baby. Quick, that way. Oh, jeez. Go back. It's a trap. The whole area is sealed off. Oh, this sucks. Everything happens to me. I could have been somebody. And everyone wants to tell you their stupid bullshit. And some of them don't know when to stop talking. Those are the dangerous ones. The ones that don't know when the conversation is over. They just go on and on and on and on and on. Verbal diarrhea running at the mouth. And dumb shit, stupid shit, trivial shit. Shit you're not even remotely interested in. Did I tell you about my mom and dad? Did I tell you about what my mom and dad... My mom and dad were down on vacation. This is about six years ago, I think. 
down in Mammoth Cave, Kentucky. I think it was six. Seemed like six. Could have been seven. Somewhere in there. Six, seven, in that area. More than six, less than seven. Let's call it six and a half. So about six and a half years ago, my mom and dad went on vacation down in Mammoth Cave, Kentucky. You know, now that I think of it, it seems more like eight years ago. I think about eight would be about the time of Y2K, wouldn't it? Remember that? Remember Y2K? When nothing ever happened. What was that all about? All of a big fuss and nothing ever happened. <laughs> anyway. So, about eight years. Eight, it was eight or five, one of those. And uh, my, my, my dad found a big rock, what he thought was a big rock, and uh, it turns out it was a 27-pound dinosaur turd. A petrified dinosaur turd. And he gave it to my mom. He said, here, mom, put this. This is a, this is a dinosaur turd. Put this in your, in your, your purse. And she said, she said, dad, I don't think this is a dinosaur turd. This thing is still warm. Whoever dropped this thing is still walking around in here. And we better get the fuck out of this cave. Nine years ago. I know it was nine. I know it was nine because my wife was pregnant with our first son, Mahmoud Ibn El Saeed Ben Salam. And he's 10 now. Or is he 11? He could be 11. He's either 11 or five. And while all this is going on, you're searching through your mind for something graceful and diplomatic you can say to bring the conversation to a close. And all I can ever come up with is, shut the fuck up! Shut the fuck up! Shut the fuck up! Shut the fuck up! But you can't say that. Good manners don't permit it. You have to find some other way. I go to body language. I try to indicate with my body language that I'm through with the conversation. I find myself leaning at a 45 degree angle, <laughs> indicating the direction I'd like to go if this person would just shut the fuck up. I might even give him a verbal cue. Surgery, surgery, I'm late for surgery. I'm having my ears sewn shut. But they don't pick up on that. We go to a restaurant on the weekends, it's busy, so they start a waiting list. They start calling out names. They say, Dufresne, party of two. Table ready for Dufresne, party of two. If no one answers, they'll say the name again. Dufresne, party of two. But then if no one answers, they'll just go right on to the next name. Bush, party of three. Yeah, what happened to the Dufresne? No one seems to give a shit. Who can eat at a time like this? People are missing. You fuckers are selfish. The Dufresne's are in someone's trunk right now with duct tape over their mouth and they're hungry. That's a double whammy. We need help. Bush, search party of three. You can eat once you find the Dufresne. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chuck, too. Keep it going for Mitch Hedberg.
Dwellings or tents. No need to explain when you got a drain. Don't whiz on the electric fence. You can swizzle on the sofa. Piddle in the air. Tinkle in the toilet. That's why it is there. You can let it rain in the breakdown lane while waving at ladies and gents. Just don't whiz on. Don't whiz on, don't whiz on the electric fence. 
69, right? And I still love rap music. I love rap music, man. You know, I love it. You know, I'm 39, and I'm that age, man. I've been loving rap music forever. And as I get older, I realize I'm going to love rap music when I'm 80, 90. Pretty much whatever music was playing when you started getting laid, you're going to love that music for the rest of your life. So I'm always going to have a soft spot for Houdini. You know what I mean? That's just me. Now, I love rap music, but I'm tired of defending it. Because you got to defend rap music, man. Because people always go, that's not music. That's not art. That's garbage. How can you listen to that garbage? How can you listen to that trash? And in the old days, it was easy to defend rap music. It was easy to defend it on an intellectual level. You could break it down intellectually while Grandmaster Flash was art, while Run DMC was art, while Houdini was art and music. You could break it down intellectually, okay? And I love all the rappers today, but it's hard to defend this shit. It's hard, man. It's hard to defend I got holes in different area codes. On an intellectual level. It's hard to defend. Move, bitch. Get out the way. <laughs> well, as you can see, there's a bitch in his way. That he needs to move. Thus the term, move, bitch, get out the way. You need to open your eyes so you can get the bitches out of your way. My favorite song right now is Impossible to Defend. It's impossible. We should all be ashamed of ourselves for liking this fucking song. <laughs> Lil John. You know that shit. To the window, to the wall, to the sweat drip from my ball. To the sweat drip from my ball. Skeet, 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 skeet. Hey, you know it's real wild? You go to a club, you see girls dancing that shit. Loving it. Just sweat drip from my ball. Just sweat drip from my ball. Just sweat. Just sweat. Just sweat drip from my balls. Uh, my balls. Skeet, skeet. Uh, my balls. Skeet, skeet. Just sweat. Just sweat. My balls. My balls. You know what's why I feel sorry for the guys that got to pick a wife out of this bunch. Uh, Daddy, where'd you meet Mommy? Oh, she was singing about balls at a club. <laughs> skeet, skeet, skeet. <laughs> you know, that's why people always say rap music is uh, misogynistic and it's degrading to women. But what I realize, man, is women that like rap don't give a fuck. Women that like rap music could give less than a fuck what they saying. If the beat's all right, she will dance all night. I see women on the floor dancing to the nastiest shit ever made. You think the nastier the record, the more they like that shit. I see women on the floor just dancing like, smack her with a dick, smack her with a dick. Smack her with a dick, smack her with a dick. Smack her with a dick, smack her with a dick. Uh, smack her with a dick, smack her with a dick. I put a dick in the ear, a dick in the ear, a dick in the ear, dick in the ear. I fuck her in the eye, fuck her in the eye. Fuck her in the eye, fuck her in the eye. Blind the bitch, blind the bitch, blind the bitch, 
blind the bitch went come bad boy <laughs> and you know it's wild if you mention to a woman that the record is misogynistic and degrading and you want to seem like a you know because you, you seem like a nerd when you say that but if you mention it to a woman every woman gives you the same answer he ain't talking about me. Smackle with a dick, smackle with a dick. Smackle with a dick, smackle with a dick. I put a dick in the air, a dick in the air. <laughs> but he said your name. No, he didn't. Smackle with a dick, smackle with a dick. Smackle with a dick, smackle with a dick. <laughs> That's on my new album, Smackle with a dick. <laughs> Love rap music, tired of defending it, man. And the wild thing about rap music, man, people either love it or hate it with a passion, man. Love it or hate it, man. Even the United States government hates rap. The government hates rap, man. You know why I say that? Because they don't arrest anybody that kills rappers. Oh. They don't got no clues, they don't got no suspects. <laughs> they don't fill out a police report when it's a dead rapper. They don't even have a chalk line. The cops just take a piss around the body. Smack over the day, smack over the day. Smack over the day, smack over the day. Shit, if you want to get away with murder, all you got to do is shoot somebody in the head and put a demo tape in their pocket. <laughs> this is a rap killing. Let's get out of here. The government hates rap. Look at all the rappers, man. Look at all the dead rappers. I miss all these motherfuckers, man. Biggie Smalls, man. Biggie Smalls, man. Biggie Smalls gunned down outside a party in Los Angeles. Now, Biggie weighed about 400 pounds. So they had to shoot him for a while. There was some reloading in that drive-by. Like the bullet had to hit another bullet that went in before it just to really do damage. They don't got no clues, no suspects, a hamburger wrapper, nothing. Jam Master J, man. Jam, man. I miss Jam, man. I miss that motherfucker. Jam Master J. Gunned down in a recording studio in Queens, okay? They had surveillance footage of people coming in and out. They ain't arrest nobody. It's like the guy came in the studio, shot Jay, recorded an album, then left. They ain't get nobody. No clues, no suspects, not an old Adita, nothing. Tupac Shakur, man. Tupac Shakur, man. Tupac gunned down on the Las Vegas Strip after a Mike Tyson fight. How many witnesses do you need to see a crime before you arrest somebody? Shit, more people saw Tupac get shot than the last episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> and you know what's fucked up? Every year, Tupac comes back from the dead, records a new album with clues in it. Every record got a clue if you listen real hard. The brother in the red shop is dead right there. Track four. Pac is trying to tell us something. Listen again. It was a nigga named Kevin with a Mac 11 right there. 
Pac is reaching out to us. Listen. The government hates rap, man. And only rappers get gunned down like this. Only rappers get fucking gunned down. They don't do shit about it. And I tell you right now, if Billy Joel, Elton John, and David Bowie got shot, they'd have Bruce Springsteen's house surrounded. The government hates rap. And only the good rappers are dead. Only the good ones. Biggie dead. Tupac dead. Vanilla Ice still alive. The government hates rap. You mean to tell me they can find Saddam Hussein in a fucking hole, but you can't tell me who shot Tupac? They found Saddam Hussein in fucking Iraq. Tupac got shot in Vegas. <laughs> in fucking Vegas. Not on no side street. The motherfucker got shot on the strip in front of Circus Circus. Now the church is all upset about the gay marriage. Why? It's one of those trick arguments where everyone's, it's a big issue that doesn't really fucking matter, but at the same time, the, the, the arguments don't matter. Oh, the gays should not get married. It's going to ruin families. What is it? Well, we have every right. Marriage should not be a legal institution. That's the argument you should be having that no one will, the government should have no place in your love life. That should not, if you want to get married, it should be like joining a fraternity where you, you know, you want to get married, you go to your church or your Chuck E. Cheese and they do a crazy rain dance around you and some incantation and puffoom if you're a married person. It doesn't mean anything. If it, well, what about tax breaks? Well, fuck, if you want tax breaks, incorporate, right? The government should only look at you as an individual no matter what, right? What if you're a fucking idiot and you're ugly? It's like the carpool lane. You can't find someone to marry. It's discrimination. Right? It should not be a legal institution. It shouldn't exist. If marriage didn't exist, would you invent it? Would you go, baby, this shit we got together, it's so good, we gotta get the government in on this shit. We can't just share this commitment between us. We need judges and lawyers involved in this shit, baby. It's hot. <laughs> but someone invented it. And now you gotta do it or you're an asshole, right? It's like Secretary's Day. Every day was fine when you shuffled into the office till someone said, oh, it's Secretary's Day. And you're, now you're a dick if you don't bring her flowers. Someone invented marriage and now you're a dick if you don't marry her and I'm a dick if I don't show up. And it's a boring, egomaniacal ritual that no one wants to go to. Don't ever for a second think that someone wants to be at your wedding. It's the most boring, horrifying experience. It's like watching someone make out on a bus for six hours. You're gonna wear your nicest clothes and show up, bring presents, and tell witty anecdotes. And I, I watched you, my friend up there, going, you know, I'm gonna tell you what love and commitment mean to me. Because the first time I saw Laura Ann, my heart swelled up like a fire. If I'm gonna be that privy to your most intimate details, I'd rather just watch you fuck. That's a, that's a wedding. Yeah, let's just, let me watch you fuck with a miner's cap and get in there and see all the fucking boils and fucking heat bumps and yeah, that, 
gross. God made the world in seven days. Well, that's one week to be specific. Now that's what I call scientific. Say hallelujah, sing his praise, 4042 B.C. On Monday, August 27, he made the earth and sky and heaven. Then he punched out at 503, then he made Adam and then Eve. The garden for them to inhabit, the apple right where Eve could grab it. And I got proof cause I believe creation science 101 In the beginning it begun And you are just beginning to Educate yourself when you shun evolution Then Cain and Abel he begat And they begat all of the rest to us which means they must have been incestuous I'm gonna have to pray about that There might be sinners in this class Who might believe in Charles Darwin I guess that's just their loss in our win Because I'm gonna flunk their ass If you make Genesis your text You will laugh at Darwin and what he sees To be the origin of species because he's just plain oversexed creation science. 101! You ain't no monkey's great grandson. You got a research paper due about 50 reasons to shun evolution. That old jive About survival of the fittest That notion don't pass the bullshit test Cause look at me, I'm still alive God made the world just like it is He made the fossils just to tease us Old bones to test our faith in Jesus Yeah, this will all be on the quiz Creation science 101 Now Armageddon, your homework done Because when this semester's through It's straight A's for students who shun evolution The kids get such an education When they shun the heretical theory of the development of life on Earth over millions of years by means of spontaneous genetic mutation. I appreciate that. Good to have a little sip of this. The water, I assume, is still safe to drink in New York, huh? Actually, actually, I gotta be fair with you. I'm only setting you up a little bit. It's just a, a, not a trick question, but it's just a setup because I don't really care about the water, to tell you the truth. I just love to hear the answer to that question. I ask that question everywhere I go. Everywhere I go, I say, how's the water? Haven't gotten a positive answer yet. Not one. Last year, I was in 40 states, 100 cities. Not one audience was able to say to me, yes, enjoy some of our fine local water. It is pure and it is good. Of course, I know a lot of people don't talk that way anymore. 
But nobody trusts the local water supply. Nobody. And that amuses me. I like that. I admit I'm a bit perverted. But it amuses me that no one can really trust the water anymore. And the thing I like about it the most is it means the system is beginning to collapse. And everything is slowly breaking down. I enjoy chaos and disorder. Not just because they help me professionally. They're also my hobby. You see, I'm an entropy fan. I'm an entropy fan. When I first heard of entropy in high school science, I was attracted to it immediately. When they told me that in nature, all systems are breaking down, I thought, what a good thing. What a good thing. Perhaps I can make some small contribution in this area myself. And of course, it's not just in nature. In this country, the whole social structure just beginning to collapse. You watch. Just beginning now to come apart at the edges and the seams. And the thing I like about that is that it means it makes the news on television more interesting, makes the television news more exciting, makes it more fun. I watch television news for one thing and one thing only, entertainment. That's all I want from the news, entertainment. You know my favorite thing on television? Bad news. Bad news and disasters and accidents and catastrophes. I want to see some explosions and fires. I want to see shit blowing up and bodies flying around. I'm not interested in the budget. I don't care about tax negotiations. I don't want to know what country the fucking Pope is in. But you show me a hospital that's on fire and people on crutches are jumping off the roof and I'm a happy guy! I'm a happy guy! I'm a happy guy! I want to see a paint factory blowing up. I want to see an oil refinery explode. I want to see a tornado hit a church on Sunday. I want to see some guy running to the Kmart with an automatic weapon firing at the clerks. I want to see thousands of people in the street killing policemen. I want to hear about a nuclear meltdown. I want to know the stock market dropped 2,000 points in one day. I want to see people under pressure. Sirens, flames, smoke, bodies, graves being filled, parents weeping, exciting shit. My kind of TV. I just want some entertainment. It's just the kind of guy I am. It's the kind of guy I am. You know what I love the most? When big chunks of concrete and fiery wood are falling out of the sky and people are running around trying to get out of the way. Exciting shit. That's why I watch auto racing. That's the only reason I watch auto racing. I'm waiting for some accidents, man. I want to see some cars on fire. I don't care about a bunch of redneck jack-offs driving 500 miles in a circle. 500 miles in a circle? Children can do that, for Christ's sake. Doesn't impress me. I want to see some schmuck with his hair on fire running around punching his own head. Trying to put it out. I want to see the pits explode. I want to see a car doing a 200 mile an hour cartwheel. Hey, where else besides auto racing am I going to see a 23 car collision and not be in the son of a bitch? And if a car flies out of control, lands in the stands and kills 50 spectators, fine. Fuck them. Serves them right. They paid to get in. Let them take their chances with everybody else. Just means more fun for me. More fun for me. Hey, at least I admit it. At least I admit it. Most people won't admit to those feelings. Most people see something like that on television, they'll say, Oh, isn't that awful? Isn't that too bad? <laughs> Lying asshole. Lying assholes. You love it and you know it. Explosions are fun. And hey, the closer the explosion is to your house, the more fun it is. Did you ever notice that? Sometimes you have the TV on and you're working around the house. Some guy comes on television and says, 6,000 people were killed in an explosion today. You say, where, where? He says, in Pakistan. You say, oh, fuck Pakistan. <laughs> Too far away to be any fun. 
But if he says it happened in your hometown, you'll say, whoa, hot shit. Come on, Dave. Let's go look at the bodies. Let's go look at the bodies. I love bad news. I love bad news. Hey, the more bad news there is, the faster this system collapses. Fine by me. Fine by me. Don't bother my ass. Don't bother my ass, none. I'm glad the water sucks. I'm glad it sucks. You know what I do about it? I drink it. Unless, unless it really smells, if it really smells a lot like sulfur, then I might buy a soda. But it's got to be a soda loaded with chemical additives. I like a lot of chemical additives in the things I eat and drink. See, I'm not one of these people who's worried about everything. You got people like this around you, country's full of them now. People walking around all day long, every minute of the day, worried about everything. Worried about the air, worried about the water, worried about the soil. Worried about insecticides, pesticides, food additives, carcinogens. Worried about radon gas, worried about asbestos. Worried about saving endangered species. Let me tell you about endangered species, all right? <laughs> saving endangered species is just one more arrogant attempt by humans to control nature. It's arrogant meddling. It's what got us in trouble in the first place. Doesn't anybody understand that? Interfering with nature. Over 90%, over, way over, 90% of all the species that have ever lived on this planet, ever lived, are gone. They're extinct. We didn't kill them all. They just disappeared. That's what nature does. They disappear these days at the rate of 25 a day. And I mean regardless of our behavior. Irrespective of how we act on this planet, 25 species that were here today will be gone tomorrow. Let them go gracefully. Leave nature alone. Haven't we done enough? We're so self-important. So self-important. Everybody's going to save something now. Save the trees. Save the bees. Save the whales. Save those snails. And the greatest arrogance of all, save the planet. What? Are these fucking people kidding me? Save the planet? We don't even know how to take care of ourselves yet. We haven't learned how to care for one another. We're going to save the fucking planet? I'm getting tired of that shit. Tired of that shit. I'm tired of fucking Earth Day. I'm tired of these self-righteous environmentalists, these white bourgeois liberals who think the only thing wrong with this country is there aren't enough bicycle paths. People trying to make the world safe for their Volvos. Besides... Environmentalists don't give a shit about the planet. They don't care about the planet. Not in the abstract, they don't. Not in the abstract, they don't. You know what they're interested in? A clean place to live. Their own habitat. They're worried that someday in the future they might be personally inconvenienced. Narrow, unenlightened self-interest doesn't impress me. Besides, there is nothing wrong with the planet. Nothing wrong with the planet. The planet is fine. The people are fucked. Difference. Difference. The planet is fine. Compared to the people, the planet is doing great. It's been here four and a half billion years. Do you ever think about the arithmetic? planet has been here four and a half billion years. We've been here, what, 100,000? Maybe 200,000? And we've only been engaged in heavy industry for a little over 200 years. 200 years versus four and a half billion. And we have the conceit to think that somehow we're a threat? 
that somehow we're going to put in jeopardy this beautiful little blue-green ball that's just a-floating around the sun. The planet has been through a lot worse than us. Been through all kinds of things worse than us. Been through earthquakes, volcanoes, plate tectonics, continental drift, solar flares, sunspots, magnetic storms, the magnetic reversal of the poles, hundreds of thousands of years of bombardment by comets and asteroids and meteors, worldwide floods, tidal waves, worldwide fires, erosion, cosmic rays, recurring ice ages, and we think some plastic bags and some aluminum cans are going to make a difference? The planet... The planet, the planet isn't going anywhere. We are. We're going away. Pack your shit, folks. We're going away. And we won't leave much of a trace either. Thank God for that. Maybe a little styrofoam. Maybe. A little styrofoam. Planet will be here and we'll be long gone. Just another failed mutation. Just another closed-end biological mistake. An evolutionary cul-de-sac. The planet will shake us off like a bad case of fleas. A surface nuisance. You want to know how the planet's doing? Ask those people at Pompeii who are frozen into position from volcanic ash how the planet's doing. One off the planet's all right, ask those people in Mexico City or Armenia or a hundred other places buried under thousands of tons of earthquake rubble if they feel like a threat to the planet this week. <laughs> How about those people in Kilauea, Hawaii, who build their homes right next to an active volcano and then wonder why they have lava in the living room? <laughs> the planet will be here for a long, long, long time after we're gone and it will heal itself it will cleanse itself because that's what it does it's a self-correcting system the air and the water will recover the earth will be renewed and if it's true that plastic is not degradable well the planet will simply incorporate plastic into a new paradigm the earth plus plastic <laughs> the earth doesn't share our prejudice towards plastic plastic came out of the earth the earth probably sees plastic as just another one of its children could be the only reason the Earth allowed us to be spawned from it in the first place. It wanted plastic for itself. <laughs> Didn't know how to make it. Needed us. Could be the answer to our age-old egocentric philosophical question, Why are we here? Plastic. <laughs> Asshole. So, the plastic is here. Our job is done. We can be phased out now. And I think that's begun. Don't you think that's already started? I think, to be fair, the planet sees us as a mild threat, something to be dealt with, and the planet can defend itself in an organized collective way, the way a beehive or an ant colony can, a collective defense mechanism. The planet will think of something. What would you do if you were the planet? How would you defend yourself against this troublesome, pesky species? Let's see, viruses. Viruses might be good. They seem vulnerable to viruses. And uh, viruses are tricky, always mutating and forming new strains whenever a vaccine is developed. Perhaps this first virus could be one that compromises the immune system of these creatures. Perhaps a human immunodeficiency virus making them vulnerable to all sorts of other diseases and infections that might come along. And maybe it could be spread sexually, making them a little reluctant to engage in the act of reproduction. Well, that's a poetic note. And it's a start. And I can dream, can I? See, I don't worry about the little things. Bees, trees, whales, snails. 
I think we're part of a greater wisdom than we will ever understand. A higher order. Call it what you want. Know what I call it? The big electron. The big electron. Whoa. 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 It doesn't punish. It doesn't reward. It doesn't judge at all. It just is. And so are we. For a little while. Thanks for being here with me for a little while tonight. Thank you. Thank you very much. four-hour porno on a satellite, right? So I don't come out of my house for too many reasons. Right? I, this is it. 24-hour uncut porno movies. I tried to get a better deal, but they said, no, Rich, 24 hours is it. That's all we have. We're not ripping you off. You gotta love the pornos. I gotta go home soon, because one is starting, and I don't want to miss the beginning. Because if you miss the beginning of a dirty flick, you can't follow the rest of the movie. <laughs> As if there was any difference, and they're all the same. Every porno movie should be called Stuff That Never Happens to You. <laughs> Starring people getting a lot more action than you. Every guy that watches the dirty movies is sitting there going, This is great. This is hot. This is never going to happen in my life. Why can't my life be like a dirty movie now and then? Next thing you know, they're all depressed, cradling the porno tape in the backyard. Somewhere over the rainbow, people get sex in the middle of the day for no apparent reason. If a fat, ugly guy can get three women in a hot tub, why, oh, why can I? Someday I wish upon a star. She's a big fat bitch, she's the biggest bitch in the whole wide world She's a stupid bitch, she's a boy's a bitch, she's a bitch to all the boys and girls On Monday she's a bitch, on Tuesday she's a bitch, and Wednesday to Saturday she's a bitch Then on Sunday just to be different, she's a super king, come a may a bitch Have you ever met my friend Cosmo? She's the biggest bitch in the whole wide world She's a mean old bitch, and she has stupid hair, she's a bitch, 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 Go a little bit, something like this. Have you ever met my friend February 13th, 1987, I turned 26 years old, and I feel like an old man, I'm little old man Rollins, I'll tell you one thing for those of you who have not reached 26, at age 26, the hinges don't work like they used to, 
you start getting more tendency to act like a 16-year-old just to prove you can do it. It's like, I'm 26, it's high time I started acting like a young, insolent fuck. Because I didn't do it because I wanted to act older when I was that age. When I was 16, I wanted to act 26. Now I'm 26, I want to go run backwards and act like I'm 16, put on my Boston tape and, and go have, uh, have total, totally innocuous sex in the back of uh, slow-moving vehicles. Okay. okay, here's this little thing about the average birthday. Imagine this being like Poughkeepsie, New York, Trent, New Jersey, just a, just a tough, tough, mean place. Okay, we are in this room, not a nice room, more like a room you wait to get the hell out of. There was a light screwed into the ceiling and it stared down and burned my eyes and made her skin look like fake leather. The room was hot. Not hot like in summertime, but fake hot. Hot from the heater that was off in the corner. Heat that makes your nose feel like it's gonna crack off. The windows were dirty. We were locked in a dry, greasy cell, the two of us. We looked ugly to each other and we knew it. She said, it's your birthday, you know. And I said, I knew it wasn't, so what? She said, birthdays are special like and you get presents. I said, I knew that too, big deal. She said, I'll suck your dick for your birthday. Now, I don't suck dick. I think it's sick. Just the thought of that fucking thing in my mouth makes me want to vomit. I don't like the way it looks either. It's like putting a piece of intestine in your mouth. Christ, it makes me sick. But it's your birthday, so I'll suck your goddamn dick. Pull it out and I'll do it. So she pulls up a trash can next to my leg and I ask her what the hell that's for. She said it's for if she threw up in the middle. And also, when the stuff came out, she was going to spit it in the can. There was no way she was going to swallow it. She said she might even spit it in my face if I tried to stick it too far down her throat. And I didn't want to do it. And she said, why the hell not? Why don't you want your goddamn dick sucked? I said I'd do it. And she says she made me feel more ugly and worthless than I ever felt in my whole life, and I just wanted to get the hell out of there, and why was she so damn mean? She says, since when is sucking dick a mean thing? Christ, I offer to put that monstrosity, that ugly, dirty, fucked up thing in my mouth, and you're telling me I'm mean? Come on, let's go. She slapped my leg. Come on, birthday boy. Pull that thing out. I want to see it. I want to see your weenie. Come on, let's see that goddamn thing. And I just sat there looking down at the floor with my hands between my legs. I felt like shit. I felt real bad. There's no place I could go. She started running around the room yelling a bunch of shit at me, telling me that I fucked bad night on a small dick. She called me toothpick. She said, come on, let's see that little toothpick, man. Come on, little toothpick, man. Ah, little toothpick, man. Here's a pair of tweezers. Pull it out, buddy. Yeah, I want to see that little goddamn thing. Pull it out, pull it out, pull it out, pull it out. It's so small. I bet you can't even find it. Once in a while, girls, you should do that just to fuck with their heads, man. <laughs> Hit them where they really live, <laughs> like two inches below the, the belt. But you're fucking... You're still young and pretty and you fucking smell good and you probably shower occasionally, so there's nothing wrong with you going out and fucking just do it right away. Don't put a lot of fucking thought into it and a lot of fucking Facebook messages. Just go fuck each other and get it out of your system. It's fun, it's nice, but you're wasting so much energy and creativity just trying to fuck where you could... It's not even that good when it's fucking good. Jesus. Have you ever fucked before? It's not... It's not bad. It's free fun for poor people. So. It's way better with narcotics involved. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's not even that good. It's, uh, I'll tell you how it fucking ends. 
If you want to know how fucking ends, this is how every time, if you haven't fucked yet, block your ears. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I don't want to ruin it for you. But this is how fucking ends every single time it comes to fruition. Uh, 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 blort. That's it. That's how it ends. Every single time, it doesn't matter what she's like or how cool she is or, oh, she was smoking hot. She's like a supermodel. Oh, really? How does that end? Ugh, blort. Exactly the same as fat and ugly ends. Wow, she's really smart. She had a PhD in blort. Great. I met her parents. I think this one might be the one, Blurt. This girl is crazy. She's like a suicide girl. She's all fucking tattooed and she's like does roller derby or something. She's crazy. They tied me down to her massage table with her two friends and they put a finger in my ass. They put a vibrating latex thing around my cock and they cranked it, Blurt. It still is the fucking same. It would be great if sometime it was different, if occasionally one in a fucking thousand. No, this wasn't Blort, man. This chick had some crazy trick she learned from the Indians where right before you come, she smacks you in a special place on your balls with her finger. And instead of coming, what happens? Your entire field of vision fills with neon rainbows coming in and out of focus. And it's a whole, and your uh, entire, all you can hear is cash registers. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. And your cock doesn't do anything, but your asshole opens up like a vomiting baby, and all of your fears come out of you and drift off into the ether. And you go, wow, that'd be worth two tickets to Les Miserables. Sex for the sake of sex is an empty experience. There's nothing fulfilling in just having sex for sex's sake. But if you wait till you find the perfect soulmate, when you can look in that person's eyes and know this is the one that I was destined to be blort, it's exactly the same. You're just confusing love and fucking. They're two different products sold separately. When you're in love and you're completely retarded and chemically imbalanced in that beginning stage of love, sure, everything is different. But you can read a phone book together and ooh, it's magical. <laughs> but that wears off and it turns into blurt. Sex is the most intimate thing two people can do. No, no, it's not fucking, it's not even intimate. Certainly not intimate. If you want intimacy, there is a thousand things you'll do in any relationship that are way more intimate than fucking. Bury a pet together. <laughs> like that's like a fucking thousand times more intimate. Uh, does this look infected to you? Requires such a higher level of trust, commitment, intimacy, I had a friend, she had breast cancer, 
and she had a tit cut off, and I had to be there when she got out of the hospital to transition back into her apartment. And I didn't want to be there. I don't like medical shit at all. It grosses me out. I can watch German shit flicks all day long, and I have the stomach for it. Two girls, one cup, no problem. Medical shit, no. I, yeah, I, and she fell out of bed in a morphine dementia. I had to put her back in bed and redress a fresh mastectomy wound. It was about, what you, staples and muscle, fucking, about a billion times more intimate than even the most like corrupt, reprehensible drug fucking I've done, where you're all fucking on ecstasy and it's you and a bunch of your friends with your chicks. You all end up fucking in the same room together and you're watching each other fuck and no one cares. I'm all wide open. I'm a fucking feast spirit. There's a guy in the corner is jacking off the whole time and it's basically anger jacking. It's no, there's no lust in him at all. It's just hate jack. Ah! Jesus, and nobody knows who the dude is. At the time, everyone is assuming that that dude must be with one of your other friends, and the next day over breakfast, as your fucking serotonin evaporates, you go, who is your friend that was, I thought that was your friend. Was that your friend? Holy fuck, no one knew who that dude was. Turns out he was just some dude at the bar who heard your drug conversation and said, I'm sober enough to drive. You go, oh, we'll go with Kelly's friend then. And you go, we fucked while some transient beat off and watched us. And that's still not even in the same league of intimacy as one fresh mastectomy wound. I didn't look at my friend with cancer and go, Wow, that was a very intimate moment where you were at your most vulnerable and I had to come to your aid and overcome my fears and I feel closer to you than I could ever feel except for that next step of intimacy that we should take now, that pinnacle of intimacy where I hunch over you with a seahorse posture, and I go, oh, wait, oh, wait a minute, Lord, oh, see that, baby? Look at that, that's, that's the magic of love. That is love coagulating in your belly hairs. This is a physical manifestation of my love for you. Thanks. Why don't next time you just blow your nose in my hair to show me how much I mean to you? Here we go. Car's a big piece of shit Cause these shots are fucking shot 
Well, my seatbelt's fucking broken. I got to tie it in a knot. It's a piece of shit. I can't see through the windshield, cause it's got a big fucking crack. And the interior smells real bad, cause my friend puked in the back. It's a piece of shit. Piece of shit, cause. Piece of shit, cause. It sucks, royal dick. That fucking pile of shit. What are you missing? Crap. Oh, fuck you, car. It's got no CD player. It only got the eight track. Whoever designed my car can lick my sweaty nutsack. Take it by disaster. And I got no fucking brakes. I'm always way out of control. Eleven times a day, I hear, hey, watch it, asshole. You fucking piece of shit. Piece of shit. Diesel gas sucks my ass. That pile of gas of shit. Oh, what the fuck did I do? What the fuck did I do? What the fuck did I do? To get stuck with you, you're too hard for drive through, and you smell like tissue. But I'm too broke to buy something new. Oh, fuck me. The car always fucking stalls And the seat cushion's got a big rip So a spring always pokes the balls Ouch, ouch, ouch Plus the door locks are busted I got to use a fucking coat hanger But a pain his ass And if a girl sees my car There's no chance I'll ever bang her He never ever gets a pussy Hey, shut up you piece of shit car. You piece of shit car. Both fucking tires. No rear view fucking mirror. Seven different colors. Fucking rag for a gas cap. Tail pipe making sparks fly everywhere. I am 38, which is not any kind of real number to be freaked out about, but it is kind of weird because 28 is something, 18 is something, but 38 is near 40, and 40 just has that connotations of um, man now, or if you look at you know, girls, you're like, you're a, you're a pedophile, you're like, but she's 25, you're still, you're sick, you're sick, you're like, oh, oh fuck, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I guess I'll be going out with some old women. <laughs> I should go out with them hairy women who are my age, you know? 
And have you noticed how hard it is for, well, not you women, you guys, to deal with like, becoming a man? It's like this nebulous kind of thing that's all wrapped up in morality and, you know, facing your, your new bullshit and countering it against your old bullshit. It's really difficult. Because I've noticed a lot of guys, okay, I've noticed for myself that um, I, I, I was like 18 for like 25 years or something. <laughs> You know, you're living in the same bullshit room and you use the same futon, which is now just like the, the, the middle of it is now like about this thick because it's just been pounded, pounded, pounded with perspiration and semen over the years. Wham, wham, and rub, pound, rub, pound, rub, pound. And like, you know, you, you can break it in half, you know, because it's, it's so old and it's been used so much. There's a lot of inspiration down there, you know. A lot of poetry was written there, you know. And so... And it's hard to figure out what adulthood is all about, you know, especially in this day and age when you're taught to be like, you know, this, this shithead, you know, and it's hard to find, you know, the way to kind of evolve, you know. Well, it's been hard for me. And the way I found the way to evolve slightly was to pay attention to women who are cool enough to take me to the curb and explain to me all the dumb shit I had just said. You know, like, okay, Henry, look, um, <laughs> you're a nice guy, okay? Uh... I feel, I don't want to say I feel sorry for you, but, okay, your, your plot loss and career or, like, you know, life arrest, you know, your, your character development is so thoroughly uh, retarded. As a human being, I cannot help but stop and attempt, attempt to help you. I'm like, thank you. You know, I, I don't have, like, you know, arrested development. My, my development was like taken out in the woods and lashed to a tree and left for dead, you know? And have you noticed, you guys, you, you're hitting on girls, you're hitting on girls, you're hitting on girls, and you're 30, you're 35, blah, 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 and, and girls make that miraculous transition into women. I forget, I don't know exactly what age, but they go from the age where like everything is kind of cool, and eh, they're eating young miss, and all that, and then they go to that age, one magic summer goes by, and you can no longer bullshit them. When they, you know, you say something like, save it. You're like, oh, shit, it's, it's happened. And you realize how lame you are because you've been using your jack-off 18-year-old hit-on lines forever, and they always seem to work. And then girls turn to women, and then they read you like the Sunday papers. You know, and they're like, oh, you want to do this to get that, and you said that because you want me to think that. And you're like, fuck, you sunk my battleship. It's like, you know, you know what I mean? You know, so maybe I could read you some of my poetry. Uh, B2, hit. Um, uh, hey, why don't we go for a walk? C2, hit. You know, uh, I'd really like to hang out with you sometime. C3, oh, fuck, you sunk my submarine. Man, fuck you. You know, and I've noticed that. Like when women start... I guess the graduation from girl to woman is when they have learned to become thoroughly unimpressed with your meager accomplishments that you wear like this huge badge of courage. <laughs> Growing up for guys is often really hard. Like, you know, when you ask the girl out to dinner, usually it's yes or no with a girl, you know. We'll eat dinner and then we'll get in my rocket ship and fly to the moon. Wow, okay. You know, get in the rocket ship. Here we go. Yay, it's my car. We're going to go back to my place. We're going to fuck. Okay. You know, and then they turn into women. And you go, so you want to go out to dinner? And the girl goes, the woman goes, oh, let's see. You want to take me out to dinner? Uh, so you can imprison me behind 
a table and talk about yourself for four and a half hours nonstop, right? <laughs> Let's see, what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to pull your passport out, which is utterly mortifying, and I have to sit and endure it because I've gone out to dinner with you, and I was stupid enough to leave my car in my, at my condo, and you're going to show me every stamp of every country you've been to in the next four years so you can impress me with how worldly you are and how well-traveled you are, as if world travel is supposed to make you a larger-minded person when I really know how you travel. You go from the airplane to the airport to the hotel courtesy van to the hotel to the van to the venue to the van to the hotel to the van to the airport and you never really get into any kind of culture at all because you have a show at 8 o'clock and you're going to tell me about all the interesting people that you meet when all the people you meet are people who go I love your band man would you please sign this so you don't really meet anybody at all you just meet the people who want to meet you and you say that you've seen all this stuff but you saw it yeah from the window of a cab on your way to the airport and so now you're basically bragging to me about the fact that you've sat on an airplane for 14 hours at a time and read People magazine. That's really nothing to write home about. So after you impress me with how worldly you are, then you will impress me with how smart you are. You will tell me about all the books you've been reading. In fact, you'll tell me about all the books you've been reading like it's all the books you've read in the last six weeks when really it's all the books you've ever read in your whole fucking life. And... You'll quote from the books, like you'll quote from Henry Miller's Air Conditioned Nightmare, where you'll say, people don't converse anymore, they merely spit facts and figures they've gotten from gleaning, you know, from cursory gleanings, from periodicals, they no longer, but they no longer converse. And I'll go, wow, Henry Miller was so intense, and you're so intense to really get that, when really, I read that book about 150 years ago, and that quote was from page 17. In fact, when you quote from uh, Dostoevsky's Crime and Punishment, you use that book, all you men use that book, because you're proud of yourself, because you can say the word Raskolnikov and you're so proud of being able to say that polysyllable that you have to quote from this book and but you're quoting from page 25 in fact all the books you're quoting from be it Yukio Mishima or Frederick Nietzsche or Baudelaire or whatever it's all from like pages like 1 to 30 which means you never read the other 250 pages so I did read them, not for school. I read them because I like to read, I like to learn. But I never have to brag about my intellect because I know I have one. The only people who try and impress you with their intellect are those who don't have one. And so you will lecture me about the virtues of this author and this musician and how you understand them better than anyone else can because these people just don't understand. And you, you understand everything because you are Mr. Intensity and you are Mr. World Traveler Guy. And soon as you've impressed me with how worldly you are and how smart you are, then you'll let your foot facade down and show me how sensitive you are. <laughs> that the muscular, scarred, sinewy exterior is just there to protect the tender poet warrior who lives inside, who craves love and affection and warmth, but who's on a quest for great fame and adventure and must keep a thick skin to take it from these bastards day in, day out on your quest for glory. And so I'll go, oh, He's so well-traveled, he's so smart, he's so sensitive. Oh, I'm getting my seat wet. Oh, oh, and soon as you see that I've been broken down by your worldliness, by your intellectual intensity, by your just sheer sensitivity and bravery and strength of soul, I'll want to mother you 
And then you'll apply the most generic hit on. You'll say, so how about we go back to my place and get it on? That's what you'll say to me? You'll quote a fucking Afghan Wigs lyric to me? I've got a Marvin Gaye album and a glass of wine. Come over here and let me taste you? That's what you'll say to me? And of course, unlike all the other girls that you've asked out who went along with all this, I will reject you, which will send you spiraling downwards into depression and self-doubt and you'll run, you know, screaming out of the restaurant, going, oh, oh, and you'll hurl yourself into gymnasiums more often than you usually do at a later time than usual when all the show-offs are gone and it's just you and all the other depressed loser men like yourself are in there rubbing Rogaine into their scalp, lifting weights, lifting weights to build more of a vascular muscle wall to protect them from the evil ball-breaking glacial women who inhabit the planet who do not understand that real men stand on the frozen dawn, the icy line, and look into the future. Ah! And they don't understand. They don't understand. Only Ronnie James Dio understands. And you will hurt together and commiserate in a scrum going, women are fucked. The only thing that understands me is the iron. The iron understands me. I will curl myself into a fortress of vascular steel because women are ball-breaking sluts and they never want me. They always want male models. Men I could break with my bare hands. They don't understand that I could eat a bowl of soup out of their craniums if given the chance. I see them in the magazines. I want to break them like the little insects they are. You should be fucking me! Me, the man of steel! Is that why you want to ask me out? You're like... Lesbian! You know, that's the only thing you can come back with. Here is my final point. Oh, thank you, God. About drugs, about alcohol, about pornography, whatever that is. What businesses of the yours would I do, read, buy, see, or take into my body as long as I do not harm another human being on this planet? And for those of you out there who are having a little moral dilemma in your head how to answer that question, I'll answer it for you. None of your fucking business. Take that to the bank, cash it, and go fucking on a vacation out of my life. But see, here's their argument to that each and every time. But we have to protect the children. We have to protect the children. Let me tell you something. Children are smarter than any of us. You know how I know that? I don't know one child with a full-time job and children. Yeah, they're quick, these kids, man. They're fucking quick. But where did this veneration of childbirth come from? I missed that meeting, I'll tell you that. Oh, childbirth is such a miracle. It's such a miracle. Wrong. No more a miracle than eating food and a turd coming out of your ass. You know what a miracle is? A miracle is raising a kid who doesn't talk at a fucking movie theater. That, that. There's your goddamn miracle. If it were a miracle, then not every nine months any yin-yang in the world could drop a litter of these mewling fucking cabbages on the planet. And in case you have not checked a single mom statistics lately, the miracle is spreading like fucking wildfire. Hallelujah. Trailer parks all over America, filling up with little miracles. Thunk. 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 Look at all my little miracles. Thunk. Filling up my trailer like a sardine can. Look at them. Thunk. 
You know, it'd be a real miracle if I could remember your daddy's name, goddammit. Fuck. I guess I'll have to call you Trucker Jr. That's all I remember about your daddy was his fuzzy little pot belly riding on top of me, shooting his caffeine-ridden semen into my belly to produce my little waterhead miracle baby child. Thunk. There's your brother, Pizza Boy Delivery Jr. Thunk. There's your other brother, Exterminator Jr. Thunk. There's your other brother, Will Work for Food Jr. Thank you very much. Good night. Say what you want about America, land of the free, home of the brave. We got some dumbass motherfuckers floating around this country. Dumbass motherfuckers, you know? Yeah. Now, obviously, that doesn't include this audience. I understand that. You seem intelligent and perceptive, but the rest of them, holy jumping fucking shitballs. Dumber than a second coat of paint. And this ain't just ranting and raving. This ain't just blowing off steam. I got a little evidence to support my claim. It just seems to me, seems to me, that only a really low IQ population could have taken this beautiful continent, this magnificent American landscape that we inherited. Well, actually, we stole it from the Mexicans and the Indians, but <laughs> hey, it was nice when we stole it. It looked pretty good. It was pristine. Paradise. Have you seen it lately? Have you taken a good look at it lately? It's fucking embarrassing. Only a nation of unenlightened half-wits could have taken this beautiful place and turned it into what it is today, a shopping mall. A big fucking shopping mall. You know that? That's all you got. That's all you've got here, folks. Mile after mile of mall after mall. Many, many malls. Major malls and mini malls. They put the mini malls in between the major malls. And in between the mini malls, they put the mini marts. And in between the mini marts, you got the car lots, gas stations, muffler shops, laundromats, cheap hotels, fast food joints, strip clubs, and dirty bookstores. America the Beautiful. One big transcontinental commercial cesspool. And how do the people feel about all this? How do the people feel about living in a coast-to-coast shopping mall? Well, they think it's just fucking dandy they think it is cool as can be because Americans love the mall they love the mall that's where they get to satisfy their two most prominent addictions at the same time shopping and eating millions of semi-conscious Americans day after day shuffling through the malls shopping and eating especially eating Americans love to eat they are fatally attracted to the slow death of fast food Hot dogs, corn dogs, triple bacon, cheeseburgers, deep fried butter, dipped in pork fat and cheese whiz, mayonnaise soaked, barbecued mozzarella, patty melts. Americans will eat anything, anything. If you were selling sautéed raccoons assholes on a stick, <laughs> Americans would buy them and eat them. Especially if you dipped them in butter and put a little salsa on them. And don't forget the mayonnaise and peanut butter. This country is big time, pig time. Forget the bald eagle. You know what the national emblem of this country ought to be? A big bowl of macaroni and cheese. A big bowl, because everything in this country is king size. King size, extra large, and super jumbo. Especially the fucking people. Have you seen some of the people in this country? Have you taken a good look at some of these big fat motherfuckers walking around? Big fat motherfuckers. 
Oh my God, huge piles of redundant protoplasm lumbering through the malls like a fleet of interstate buses. The people in this country are immense, massive bellies, monstrous thighs, and big fat fucking asses. And if you stand there for a minute and you look at one of them, you look at one of them, you, you, you begin to wonder, how does this woman take a shit? How does she shit? And even more frightening, how does she wipe her ass? Can she even locate her asshole? She must require assistance. Are paramedics trained in this field? And standing right next to her, of course, with a plate full of nachos and a mouthful of pie is her clueless fucking husband, Joe Sixpack. With his monstrous swollen beer belly hanging dangerously out over his belt buckle like a 90-pound tumor. This guy hasn't seen his dick since the Nixon administration. And if you stand there and you look at the two of them, you begin to wonder to yourself, do these people fuck? Is this man actually capable of fucking this woman? It doesn't seem structurally possible that these two people could achieve penetration. Maybe they're in that Cirque du Soleil or something. I'm telling you, every other person in this country is 50 pounds overweight. They are gargantuan. And in the summertime, God help us. In the summertime, they all want to wear short pants. Jesus, Lord, protector of all that is good and holy, deliver me from fat people in short pants. They all got short pants, big bellies, fat thighs, and dumb kids. Short pants, big bellies, fat thighs, and dumb kids. Every one of them's got two dumbass kids with them. And the whole family is wearing T-shirts, and every one of them's got the same T-shirt. I'm with stupid. Apparently in this country, the stupids are an extended family. And besides wearing them T-shirts, everyone in the family's got on a backpack. They got a backpack strapped to their back so they can carry around lots of stupid shit. And the reason they got to carry their stupid shit strapped to their backs is because their hands must remain free at all times to hold food. And to get that food up to the mouth where it gets shoveled in with all the rest of the disgusting shit they ate that day. And another reason for the backpacks is these people are going to buy even more stupid shit. They ain't got enough stupid shit at home. They just had a stupid shit sale. They ain't got to buy more. They're going to go out in the parking lot and stuff this stuff into the big, fat, ugly, oversized SUV that's got plenty of room in it. Plenty of room in it for stupid shit and lots of room left over for these big, fat, ugly motherfuckers to get them home. Stopping, of course, for jelly roll and fried dough. These people, these people are efficient, professional, compulsive consumers. That's their civic duty, consumption. It's the new national pastime. Fuck baseball. It's consumption. The only true, lasting American value that's left, buying things. Buying things. People spending money they don't have on things they don't need. Money they don't have on things they don't need. So they can max out their credit cards and spend the rest of their lives paying 18% interest on something that costs twelve fifty, And they didn't like it when they got it home anyway. Not too bright, folks. Not too fucking bright. But if you talk to one of them about this, if you isolate one of them, you sit them down rationally and you talk to them about the low IQs and the dumb behavior and the bad decisions, right away they start talking about education. That's the big answer to everything. Education. They say we need more money for education. We need more, more, more books, more teachers, more classrooms, more schools. Uh, we need more testing for the kids. And you say to them, well, you know, we've tried all of that and the kids still can't pass the test. They say, oh, don't you worry about that. We're going to lower the passing grades. 
And that's what they do in a lot of these schools now. They lower the passing grades so more kids can pass. More kids pass. The school looks good. Everybody's happy. The IQ of the country slips another two or three points. And pretty soon, all you'll need to get into college is a fucking pencil. (laughs) Got a pencil? Get the fuck in there. It's physics. Then everyone wonders why 17 other countries graduate more scientists than we do. Education. Politicians know that word. They use it on you. Politicians have traditionally hidden behind three things. The flag, the Bible, and children. No child left behind. No child left behind. Oh, really? Well, it wasn't long ago you were talking about giving kids a head start. Head start, left behind. Someone's losing fucking ground here. But there's a reason. There's a reason. There's a reason for this. There's a reason education sucks, and it's the same reason that it will never, ever, ever be fixed. It's never going to get any better. Don't look for it. Be happy with what you got. Because the owners of this country don't want that. I'm talking about the real owners now. The big, wealthy business interests that control things and make all the important decisions. Forget the politicians. Politicians are put there to give you the idea that you have freedom of choice. You don't. You have no choice. You have owners. They own you. They own everything. They own all the important land. They own and control the corporations. They've long since bought and paid for the Senate, the Congress, the state houses, the city halls. They got the judges in their back pockets. And they own all the big media companies, so they control just about all of the news and information you get to hear. They got you by the balls. They they spend billions of dollars every year lobbying, lobbying to get what they want. Well, we know what they want. They want more for themselves and less for everybody else. But I'll tell you what they don't want. They don't want a population of citizens capable of critical thinking. They don't want well-informed, well-educated people capable of critical thinking. They're not interested in that. That doesn't help them. That's against their interest. That's right. You know something? They don't want people who are smart enough to sit around the kitchen table and figure out how badly they're getting fucked by a system that threw them overboard 30 fucking years ago. They don't want that. You know what they want? They want obedient workers. Obedient workers. People who are just smart enough to run the machines and do the paperwork and just dumb enough to passively accept all these increasingly shittier jobs with the lower pay, the longer hours, the reduced benefits, the end of overtime, and the vanishing pension that disappears the minute you go to collect it. And now they're coming for your social security money. They want your fucking retirement money. They want it back so they can give it to their criminal friends on Wall Street. And you know something? They'll get it. They'll get it all from you sooner or later because they own this fucking place. It's a big club, and you ain't in it. (laughs) You and I are not in the big club. By the way, it's the same big club they used to beat you over the head with all day long when they tell you what to believe. All day long, beating you over the head in their media, telling you what to believe, what to think, and what to buy. The table is tilted, folks. The game is rigged. And nobody seems to notice. Nobody seems to care. Good, honest, hard-working people. White collar, blue collar, doesn't matter what color shirt you have on. Good, honest, hard-working people continue. These are people of modest means. Continue to elect these rich cocksuckers who don't give a fuck about them. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't care about you at all. At all. At all. Man. You know? And nobody seems to notice, nobody seems to care. That's what the owners count on, the fact that Americans will probably remain willfully ignorant of the big red, white, and blue dick that's being jammed up their assholes every day. (laughs) Because the owners of this country know the truth. It's called the American dream, because you have to be asleep to believe it.
Men love oral sex because it combines the two activities that the average guy never gets tired of. One, sex. Two, not moving at all. The big two. They can't believe it's happening at the same time. They're sitting there with a remote control and a sandwich going, this is the big two. Not only am I having sex, I don't even have to move. The Super Bowl was on, I could die right now. You ever see these big surveys they do? We have done a survey of 20 billion American sexual habits. Who's going to tell the truth? Some guy shows up at your house 10 in the morning with a clipboard. You don't know who he is. He knocks on the door. Ding, ding, ding. You open the door. Yeah, what? I'm sleeping. Morning. Do you masturbate? What? It's pretty rough talk for a Jehovah's Witness, isn't it? I was just finishing up when you walked in. Shake. Hey, come back here. We know the truth. 90% of all guys masturbate. The other 10%, no arms. Prove it. Right. 60% of all the women do it. And the other 40% expect you to believe it takes that long to take a bath. So, let's be honest. Be proud of your masturbational activities. It's what separates us from the beast. Man is the only one that goes around choking the chicken all day. You never see that? So join us as we track the jerking off giraffes of the Serengeti. So be proud of it. People always brag about their sex lives. Why shouldn't you brag about your masturbating life? <laughs> They're going on and on, me and her, this and that. You go, hey, you shut up for a change and listen to one of my anecdotes. All right, gather around, boys. I got a story for you. All right, I get home Tuesday and I'm alone, right? I know. I didn't think anything was going to happen either. Well, the next thing you know, I shut the lights. Boom! I'm all over myself like a cheap suit buster. Upstairs, downstairs, I am the best I ever had. Hey, what you eating? Cowboy dick. Hey, buckaroos. There's nothing like a little cowboy dick ice cream. I want something. I've got a craving. Yeah, well, how about some cowboy dick? Sure. All the cowgirls love my cowboy dick. And I should know, because I'm Cowboy Dick. I like my Cowboy Dick with some nuts. No problem, partner. Introducing Cowboy Dick with nuts so big you can hardly wrap your lips around them. My youngins love Cowboy Dick. Ma'am, fill your posse with my Cowboy Dick. Oh, Cowboy Dick. Here, try it. How is it? I can't talk. My mouth is full of Cowboy Dick. She's smiling. She's smiling. Fill your mouth with my cowboy dick. Available in your grocer's freezer. Ooh, once you've had your first cowboy dick, you won't ever go back. Remember the royal anthem of the kilted yaksman. Our country reeks of trees. Our yaks are really large. And they smell like rotting beef carcasses. And we have to clean up after them. And our saddle sores are the best. We proudly wear women's clothing and searing sand blows up our skirts. And the buzzards, they soar over. And poisonous snakes will devour
devour us whole And our bones will bleach in the sun That's it! And we will probably go to And that is our great reward For being the royal Canadian Kilted Yaxman Oh.